What's up, movie fans and Netflix bingers? This is the Bros Who Binge podcast. My name is Adam Schubert, and as always, I'm joined by Lyndon Burton. We're talking about everything in the world of movies and TV. And man, this is the greatest week of TV as Disney Plus comes out this week. So we're getting some Mandalorian. So, Lyndon, we're getting the extra double duty Bros Who Binge week, huh? Yeah, man, look, so... This this episode, you're going to get your classic Watchmen Titans review, along with a super dope pitch it episode that we'll talk about in a little bit. But you're also going to get because Mandalorian drops and there's no way we were pushing this podcast back to Wednesday and messing up my messing up our schedule even more than it's already messed up. Because this really <laughs> affects my weeks like I'm being dead ass serious. I'm like, no, me too. Like it, it really messes like my head up. So I'm, I'm ready for us to get back to Friday's. But because Mandalorian drops and that's such a big deal, we're going to give you guys an extra podcast for the time being until uh, like because Titans is about to end. So maybe when Titans ends, we go back to our regular schedule and maybe Mandalorian could be kept in there. But if you guys enjoy what we're doing, we will continue to give ex- just side episodes where we review just the Mandalorian. Yeah, that's probably get, what we'll probably end and you'll up get those, to do. You'll get but, those Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. But the big question that we'll be finding out once we get to The Mandalorian actually premiering, which it hasn't done for us yet, just yet, um, we'll determine how many we're going to do to start. Because I, yeah. I think they're releasing three. Oh, they're dropping three? I thought I heard some, somewhere that they were releasing three. I thought it was just one. Cause like, I was, I was It'd be like, better oh. if it was just one. I was like, yeah, me and Trooper definitely can knock out one in a night. Like, that's easy. Let me, let me... Let me Google this real quick while you uh while you continue talking about uh all right what's, but what we yeah got going so on. we're gonna be talking about his dark materials today we're gonna talk about Watchmen we're gonna talk about Titans we're gonna talk Always Sunny um there's a big movie coming out this week that we're gonna mention in the movie on the rise and there's some pretty fun stories today I was actually you know complaining to Lyndon about some you know sometimes there's just some BS topics and then I was reading out the topics that I actually picked for today and a lot of them are pretty good and i think they're pretty interesting upcoming movies that you know but the thing about this is that when i've started reading these news stories is that sometimes i'll we'll talk about something on here and then in two three months it completely changes which i think is really interesting because we'll we'll be talking about a movie um that's now going to star a new actor that of a year ago had two different actors that would have completely changed the tone of that movie and like I think everyone would have probably been way more interested in that past movie, but we'll talk about that as well. Um, and then, yeah, some, there's some trailers, some, some, a one nostalgic, a couple really out of this world, and Disney comes back with another trailer, so we'll see. Oh, and I, the Mandalorian trailer is coming out again, but I'm definitely not talking about it or watching it because the dang show comes out this week. Yeah, the show comes out tomorrow. Well, by the time you guys hear this, it'll be out. But, yeah. okay, no, Schubert, I think they're just doing one, and it'll debut on Tuesday, and then after that, the shows will debut every Friday following uh, on November 15th. Oh. So, yeah. So, there, so that would be two this week? Uh, No, there's, uh, there's just one this week. You said the 12th and the 15th. Oh. Uh... You said every Friday starting the 15th. The shows after the shows will debut every Friday with the fi- with the next following on the... Vi- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're getting there two you. this week. All right, cool. Two this cool. week. So you'll get a review separate for 
This the episode, first the first episode at least. Maybe the second episode will be on the next episode of Bros Who Binge, but it'll more than likely be. So dope, dope. But, Schubert, we got a big pitch it match this week. That's look, true. La- look, ladies and gentlemen. With all I'm, this news coming out, I'm, you know, I'm, fo- I'm focused on this, and I for- keep forgetting that we had a really amazing pitch it match to show everyone. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be candid and be honest with everybody as the people who invented this game uh, and brought this to the show. I think that was our best pitch it match yet. Like better, better than me and you, better than <laughs> Charles in Brooklyn, better than No Lapel's Reddit Justin. And that's no disrespect to any other previous matches, any of the competitors. These dudes just came to play, and that will up the level of the league. Thank you again to Shamir. I know I, I keep telling them thank you. I've told them this off air. I've told them this on air. But I got to say it once more. Thank you to Schmidt and Jake for coming on and being a part of this league because – you guys really did a good job, and I'm super excited to see how the rest of the league. And there's some players, to... man. Like, the yeah, rest like the, you know, I'm afraid to go up against either one of those two. You know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, the rest of the league is put on notice now, and you guys just be on the lookout. And we already have our next match planned for the end of the month, uh, beginning of December. We're gonna go into the losers bracket because you know we we got winners playing winners, losers playing losers. Uh, Schubert will be playing Justin, aka Subculture Vulture. So be on the lookout. Which for is that. probably how he's finding out about this right now. No, actually, I talked. I talked to him already, okay. bro. <laughs> I, I wouldn't announce this if I didn't talk to him. I talked to him already. Yeah, no, he's already. Well, he's, he's good. I'm to pretty go. sure the last time we talked to him or ever invited him on, invited him on, he found out about his his opponent on the pod. Oh, he definitely did that. That that's one hundred percent. But no, he knows that he's playing you, and he told me to tell you he's bringing that heat. He's gonna whoop your fucking ass. <laughs> Excuse it's my. It's a revenge language. game. <laughs> it is a revenge game. But yeah, man. So thank you again to Jake and Schmidt. You guys are in for a treat at the end of this. After we finish our uh, review of Watchmen, Titans, all that good jazz. That'll be at the end of the episode. So be sure to stay stick around for that because you wouldn't want to miss that. But Schubert, other than that, I don't have a lot to get into. We got some hot news coming out of the world of DC that's a little older, but I'm excited to talk about it. Hey, you know, way of recording, sometimes things just drop on the middle of the week, you know? So it, It's weird, man. It's weird. It's, it seems like news is, is dropping for our old schedule, which I hope it keeps up when we get back to our old schedule. For sure. Um, but I'm ready to get into it, so... Let's go ahead and get started. All right, so the news that we were referring to is Andy Serkis is now going to play Alfred Pennyworth, or is that in talks? Oh, you know no. For, cer- for certain? As of now, it's I mean, it's in talks, but, like, it's, it's in pretty talk- much good to go. Yeah, to me, it, it, it like, let's, let's talk about this, because when there's different ways that news is reported, it's like 100% confirmed, rumored. It's in talks. To me, it's in talks means like it's going to happen as long as both sides agree to the money that was given or money that's offered. They're in the negotiating stage right now. Sure. So, you know, with the way that this reads out, you have Andy Serkis is in talks to play Alfred and Colin Farrell is eyed to play Penguin. See, I think he's also in talks as well. Okay. Yeah. So shout out to uh, Umberto for dropping the Andy Serkis news. And I believe Justin Kroll from Variety dropped Colin Farrell. If it wasn't Justin, I apologize. Uh, but Variety reported the Colin Farrell thing. Let's talk about Andy Serkis's first. Look, everybody hit me up and was like, yo, Andy Serkis for Alfred. I thought Andy Serkis for Penguin. And when I saw Umberto say the name Andy Serkis, I, I, I was like, yes, he's in it. And then we see Alfred. But if you think about Robert Pattinson's Batman, 
you need a youngish Alfred. We were excited for Pierce Brosnan because he was younger. He gave that regalness. Andy Serkis can give that same regalness, and it'll be dope because he can be the war veteran that uh, Alfred is. He can be more so closer to the Jeremy Irons than the Michael Caine. I think a lot of people are thinking uh, this is going to be like Jeremy, or not, I'm sorry, you said Jeremy Irons, but you know, uh, Andy Serkis, you know, being 100% human Andy Serkis, like, of course he's going to be human, but I'm saying, like, I think he, like, brings some kind of gruff or makeup into it as well, you know? I don't think he goes completely Andy Serkis. Like, I'm not saying they, they're going to make him, like, look super old like Winston Churchill, but, I mean, like, maybe look, have him be... Uh, I think he keeps his hair. You think he keeps his hair? I mean, I think he, he slicks it back. Oh, yeah, slicks it back, for sure. I think, like, I, I, I agree with you. I think they make him look like... How old is Andy Serkis right now? In his 50s? Yeah. I think they make him look late 50s, early 60s. He'll still sure. he'll still look young enough to be able to like move around if Batman needs him. But yeah, he's 55. So I think they'll make him look like 58, 59, 60. And he'll keep his cares. They'll put they'll make it some gray tones in it, whatever. But I'm excited for this, man. Like Andy Serkis is you know, it'll be an interesting take on the character. And the one thing I think a lot of people are worried about is like, you know, maybe not having the ideal Alfred. And I don't really think that in this movie you're going to get the ideal anything. Like, yeah. I think that this is really going to be Matt Reeves' take on everything. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we got an Alfred that appeals a little bit to those people who bought into the show Gotham, even though I know you hate that show. But that Alfred was a little bit more rough around the edges. And I think that, like, it would be really interesting if we saw an Alfred that was a little more rough around the edges. Oh, I think than, he's going to be. Prim and proper butler. Oh, I don't think he's going to be Prim and Proper Butler. I think he's going to be... Like, that's why I said Jeremy Irons at first. He'll have the sarcastic level uh, if of a Jeremy Irons, if not more. Sure. Like, yeah, I think, gonna, the, I think that's got to be an element. It's going to be tough love. Tough love on yeah, Bruce. Tough love, yeah. for sure. No, I'm with you on that. And, and to your point about none of these castings being similar, the only one I say is kind of close to what comic... In, in all these castings, you can find a comic book that kind of fits these, but... For your typical idea of a, of these characters, I think the only one that fits is Paul Dano as Riddler, and and honestly, maybe Rob Pattinson coming in second. Well, but well, and I I really do think Zoe Kravitz kind of fits the bill of what you're looking for. Catwoman too, but, yeah, me too. But like what I'm saying is, you know, I feel like each character, even if Paul Dano and Zoe Kravitz seem like they could be the ideal characters you expect. I wouldn't be surprised if you just saw them in a different way. Like, let's say taking elements of all the different phases of the Riddler that we've seen. Like, we've seen a lot of different Riddlers. Like, it would be interesting if we saw someone take pieces off them. It's the same way we see the evolutions of the Joker. Um, you know, when Head Ledger's Joker came out, that wasn't that much like the Joker in the comics. No, but not, people not, bought not really. into it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just it's one of those things. Like, if someone comes in and puts the acting performance right, and they still have the basis of what that character is, but and it feels it like the spin, character and it feels like the character, then yeah, then I'll be in on it. And I feel like that's what we're getting with the characters, especially here with Colin Farrell. Cause I think a yes. lot of people are, are, are upset and I don't are and upset I, because they they're like, Oh, what is this like suave regal penguin? And I'm like, yeah, why he's not? Supposed be, he's supposed to be John Constantine. Like, no, calm your jets. Look up emperor penguin. Look up the telltale universe's penguin. Look at Gotham's penguin. Look at, I know the new adventures of Batman had him a little chubby, but look yeah. at that. Look at that penguin. We're getting Gunrunner 
head of the underworld, like like he is like the underworld's liaison. Like he can connect anybody with anybody, and he's the suave leader of the Iceberg Lounge. I dig it a lot. If you if you have seen Emperor Penguin or read about Emperor Penguin, or I'm not gonna say he's gonna have the powers that that person has, but if you look from the aesthetics in the gun rudder and his occupation, it fits this telltale. Fits this. It. it I actually like Colin Farrell a lot as Penguin because you know, I don't want anything like Danny DeVito's. Pe I don't want that Penguin. I, I think well, I think we're past that. What we're seeing is with these properties that are being reborn and redone is that once you're doing them multiple times, you have to make them your own. And you have to make them different. Like there's yeah. no way that you can base it off comic books that were written in the 50s and 60s. Like they have to take elements of everything that's happened from now until then and like really generate its own character. Use comic books from the '90s. Use comic books from today. Like there's, the, it's like you, yeah, said, the, you the 2010s. I mean, yeah, like I, you don't have to Marvel's already doing that, and it's been very successful. The audience out there now that loves comic books is yes, our age and in the past, but there's also a new age of comic book uh, Reach. readers too, and they want to see their characters portrayed too. So it's like we have to find a way to meld them all together, create these new interesting characters for the film. That may not be exactly what you're expecting, but you know, you can, like I said, with the Heath Ledger thing, you can go back into a lot of different examples of something that may not have worked but did end up working that was different than the actual thing that was on script. And then sometimes when things are like what you know, for example, let's use Joker again. Heath Ledger's Joker worked because it was so different and he, he did his own thing, but it still felt true to Joker. You go look at a Suicide Squad, Jared Leto's Joker. I know people are going to be like, Lyndon, he doesn't have tattoos. He doesn't have a group. Screw the aesthetics. Look at that character from what that character is. That's the closest thing we've gotten to animated Joker to on screen. And, and I'm, not listening, I'm not listening to what anybody says. Not Jack Nicholas, not Caesar. Well, Caesar Mero is from the, the that old generation, and it was very akin to some of the comics they were making at that time. But still, if you look at Mark Hamill's Joker being this crime boss, this 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 leader of in the underworld, this and fashion, like that is Jared Leto's Joker. Just forget the tattoos and the grill. He's the closest thing we've gotten to a true comic book Joker, and his didn't work. So. I mean, there. It, it, it's it's like what you said, Schubert. You take as long as it feels like the character in this world you've built, and 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 it's you can still put your own take on it. That's why I hope pa Paul Dano's Riddler comes after the Riddler from A War and Joke and Riddles. If you don't know that comic, check it out. I believe it was Tom King. I'm like ninety percent sure it's Tom King. War jokes and riddles. That's the riddle. I hope we get for uh, Paul Dano. But in terms of uh, Colin Farrell, I'm excited, man. This this Batman casting. I tweeted this. Batman is now the most anticipated comic book movie of the next four to five years. Yeah. And I and think it's for positive and negatives. Oh, one, it's, a, it's a lot more positive. I, I think there's a lot more I think, questions. Well, no, I think there's a lot of people that are positive about it. But, you know, especially since we're seeing some reactions to some of the castings, I think there's a lot of people that want this to fail. And I, I understand that. But, I mean, like, you know, I wouldn't base what your idea of this Batman movie is going to be based on castings, you know. Give give Robert Pattinson a chance. You yeah. Know? Give, give Matt Reeves a chance. Give Matt Reeves a chance. Uh, I mean, if you're upset about a black uh, Commissioner Gordon, give that a chance. You know, if you think a Colin Farrell is not fit to be Penguin, give it a chance. I mean, you never know. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And like I said, there's no comic book movie coming. 
that's announced right now that we know of with casting and everything's gearing up to go. There's no comic book movie in the next five years that's more exciting than the Batman. So if they nail it, the world, the 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 I'm not saying that DC will ever catch up to Marvel with just one movie, and not saying that no. they need to catch up, but the pendulum is beginning to swing in another direction if that bad movie's if that Batman movie's successful. Sure. I mean, eventually, I think what we're all trying to get to is that everyone's making the same caliber of movie. Yeah, you know? no, 100%. And I in feel like at way. this point, DC has made some, some really great ones, but they've made some ones that haven't worked. And you know, at, in- at, at this point, they're just trying to, to, to get going, generating consistency. And to their defense, the last three movies have been successful. The last... Shazam, yeah, the last, Joker... Aquaman. Aquaman, yeah. The and last then, three have been successful. And if you want to count Wonder Woman, I know Justice League was in between that, but Wonder Woman was a success as well. Sure, and then there's it's about to be a success next summer too. So maybe we can yep. just go ahead and put that in the bank. And then James Gunn's Suicide Squad, I'm hearing good things about it. And he says that Margot well, Robbie... That, the that's the funny like, thing. Like, I don't know if it's just because of where we are, where we lie, and maybe the way our Twitter feeds are set up. But, like, I have more anticipation for Batman and Suicide Squad 2 than I'm hearing for anything in the new slate. I mean, I'm hearing some Eternals talk, but mostly because that there was a bomb on set. Not that anything about what's been That's going what on. There's more hype for, that movie. Bur- for Suicide Squad 2. Or not, not we're not going to say 2 because it's not a sequel. It's the su- I want the them Suicide to call Squad. It, I want them to call it Task Force X. So until James Gunn does that, I'm just going to keep calling it Task Force X. For what's coming with Task Force X and Batman, I've seen more excitement for that than anything Marvel's doing that's not named Falcon Winter Soldier. That's fair. Like, and, and that's just honest. I mean, because, I mean, where's the excitement about this Black Widow movie? And like, it's coming right, it's coming right, up? It's, it's at the start of 2020. Eternals is next up. We don't know shit about that. We still, we still are left in the dark. Shang-Chi, isn't that supposed to be coming up as well? Like, there's a lot of stuff coming that we aren't hearing anything about no buzz, no excitement. So it's like this movie, Matt Reeves' movie starts filming at the start of next year and it doesn't come out till 2021. We don't get this movie till June of 2021. And that's why I'm saying the excitement level for this movie is so high at this point that every time we get a casting, every time we get a little bit of news, Twitter, it's always trending and Twitter's going ham or social media is going ham over this Batman movie. Sure. So I think, you know, we could be a, to a dead horse. There is a lot of it generation... We've generated a lot of excitement here for it, but uh, still got a long way to go. Still got a long way to go. A very long way. But like, you think look, this is I, it? You think this is it for major character casting? casting? Are we still waiting on any other names? I mean, I, look, I mean, I don't really care if about a big name if we pull in like a, a, a Bullock or. Uh, I mean, the the only other thing that would surprise me here is if we saw another villain cast, but we don't think that there is going to be another one, right? Well, no. I mean, there's there's they're supposed to be. Uh, Collider commented, uh, released some. Oh, that's right. That, uh, that they cast that. Well, not not Matt. I'm I'm gonna get to that. But they they casted an African American actress out of Juilliard. People are expecting that's Barbara Gordon. We don't know. We don't know who she is Makes or sense. anything like that. But maybe I don't know about that. But in terms of major casting that I want to see happen next, Harvey Dent. We got to know if is it John David Washington? Oh, or is it yeah, not? yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up with Harvey it, Dent? I think. I think I've already just already assumed that it was John David Washington. I totally forgot about that. So, we have yeah. for a long time. Yeah, and he. Is he is he even in consideration, or is this just our fan casting that, that I, just I, built I, into existence? No, bro. Like I swear, 
I've seen multiple reports from even Daniel RPK. Shout out to my guy. He was in the running. So we, and now the other day when I saw Matthew McConaughey cast and then Umberto was like, that's total BS. I was like, all right, so maybe it's still John David. We got to wait and see. But we have Harvey Dent. Matthew Matt- McConaughey is Harvey Dent? That's what the internet was saying. He's too old. Yeah, I know. He has to, people, people don't realize you can't cast a John Hamm. You can't cast a, uh, a Matthew McConaughey. You want a contemporary of Bruce Wayne. Harvey Dent has to be close in age. But Mad Hatter, maybe, uh, Firefly, just the other villains to see who, Firefly, yeah. who they choose. But that's not. But see, like, I, just, I don't think we're going to be throwing out main, big names for that. You know? Yeah, no, I'm with you. And then if rumor is comes to be true that he wants to have a Dick Grayson, who will be that Dick Grayson? Yeah, that was what I was getting to. I thought that the only other thing that would be a big bit of news is if we found out that there was going to be like a Dick Grayson character, which I, I mean, I don't think that that fits, right? At least not maybe moving. I think one. we're still like I still I think we're still like a few years out in I'd Batman say, time for that. I mean, I, mean, look, I, think he, I would be fine with at the end of this like. Don't don't let us know that Dick Grayson's in this movie. Keep it a secret until we go see the movie. And if at the end of the movie Batman goes to the circus, I'd be cool with that. Like I don't think Dick Grayson will play a, a role at all in this movie. But if like at the end, I'm not saying post credit scene, maybe like the couple scenes after Batman solves his crime, we're like, what is what's, what, why is this movie still going on? And we see him go to a circus and we see him meet his Dick Grayson in the movie ends on that note, like just with him walking into the circus. Or I could see it with not even like meeting the family, but just walking in there and seeing like on the the billboard or whatever, flying Grayson's. Flying Grayson. Like we don't even have to, like we don't have to even meet. I could see that being a post credit scene if we're being honest. Something like that. I think that would be a good way to end this first movie because I think we see Dick more in the second movie. Yeah, I mean, I think that would do very, I think that would make a big statement for Matt Reeves as well, kind of giving us an idea of what this movie means and the whole span of things but and it makes this movie different from any other batman movie no one has utilized i know people are gonna say george clooney but that that wasn't like come on man that that i that felt like a mixture of dick grayson and terry mcginnis i felt like they didn't know what the hell they wanted to do over there but we haven't seen robin utilized properly minus titans live action and then he's even he's nightwing in that or, or transitioning to be and if matt reeves can accomplish an actual Dick Grayson as Robin for his first, like in, for in his trilogy, that's that already sets it apart from everything else. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's but all. We're too much in the Batman. We in, need to go Batman weeds, man. Uh, but let's talk about some of these trailers. The first one is the Color Out of Space trailer with Nick Cage. Did you see that? Yeah, man. That look. I was watching that. Weird, man. It look. I. I Look, I thought it looked good. I was kind of into it. I was like, Ooh, it's, what's, what's this weird It reminds shit? me of Annihilation. Oh, okay, okay. It, it reminds me of kind of that movie with Beyonce and uh, I think it's Charlize Theron or Idris Elba where, like, the lady is going after Beyonce's husband and, like... <laughs> oh. I, I think that that's what that movie is. I'm not sure, but... I don't think so. Those obsessed vibes. Yeah, it gives me some, some kind of obsessed... Just with the scandal of, of wife and... Wife trying to seduce man in the house. Nick Cage trying to get the man in the house to kill his wife. Like, just gives me kind of a little bit of those vibes. But I'm excited. I don't think we're talking about the same thing. What are we talking about? We're not? No, the color out of space I'm talking about is a meteorite fell into the back of their backyard. Wait, then you don't know what I'm talking about. Let me. All right, well, you talk about that, and then I'll talk about my Nick Cage movie. 
No, so the color out of space is this Nick Cage movie where like this meteorite falls into the back of their backyard, and you know it starts making like this catastrophic fallout. Like here's the synopsis: a uh, story. Hold on. A story of a cosmic terror about the gardeners, a family who moves to a remote farmstead in rural New England to escape the hustle of the 21st century. They are busy adapting to their new life when a meteorite crashes into their front yard. The mysterious aerolite seems to melt into the earth, infecting both the land and the properties of space and time with a strange otherworldly glow. Uh, and the, to their horror, the gardener family discovers that this alien force is gradually mutating every for- life form that it touches, including them. That's where I'm saying like it feels like annihilation. Like it's very color based. There's like things in the air that oh. are affecting them. So it's, uh, damn, it's definitely like a sci-fi horror. I thought we were on the same vibe because my movie is literally Nick Cage and Kelsey Grammer or an, an erotic thrushman called Grand Isle. Uh, Nick Cage is a deranged husband seeking to pay a handsome oh. young stranger $25,000 to murder his beautiful wife, yet his wife is being sensual and seductive, and she's seducing the handsome young stranger, and we don't know if he's going to kill. Kelsey Grammer is the detective trying to solve who killed who, and this movie is going to be in theaters on December 6th as well as on demand. Well, that's, that's what I cool. thought you were talking about. Yeah, no, this movie sounds amazing. I don't know about you, the one you talk. I don't know about Color and Space, but Grand Isle, I'm, I'm, I'm rocking with. Yeah, I mean, that sounds pretty neat. Yeah, you should watch that trailer after this. This shit's pretty litty. Yeah, um, but yeah, Color Out of Space, it comes out in January 2020. So Nick Cage out there in the world. Yeah, he's doing his thing. He got two movies coming back to back. Real Good for you, Nick Cage. And hopefully he comes back for Into the Spider-Verse too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No more mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Uh, so The Invisible Man is the next one with, um, what's her name? Elizabeth uh, Moss. Oh, crap. Moss. Moss. It let me down, bro. I did not like this trailer. I was expecting, like, the real story of the Invisible Man and not just some invisible invisible man's destroying this woman's life and it's a horror movie. I thought this trailer looked generic. I thought this movie idea and concept is generic, and I don't want to see this in theaters. No matter how good it is, I I just expected something different. Yeah, I mean, when I saw the Invisible Man, I was like, wait, they did the Invisible Man novel? Yeah, and yeah, they in a sense, but they did it in their own in their own way. And I mean, it's just a horror movie that I'm not really that interested in. Yeah, I only like horror movies. It's not. Yeah, it just looks like your typical generic horror movie. Yeah, uh, but let's talk about Soul, which was the new trailer from Disney. I think Disney Pixar, right? Shout out to Pixar for finally giving black people a movie. (laughs) (laughs) So Jamie Foxx is the star of this one. It's about a musician who's lost his passion for music and is transported out of his body and must find his way back with the help of infant soul learning about herself. So this kind of gives me, you know, the inside out vibes. Yeah. Learning more about your inner soul. And even on a more medical metaphysical level, because it's like inside out was about your emotions and looking at that, concept through an, a lens that can make make sense this one is looking at okay your soul and then he's with an infant soul meaning that that infant has to go to a baby's body like how does how are we going to explain this out of out of world concept and make it more understandable for children and for parents to enjoy as well yeah it's definitely very uh out there as a concept mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see but how those, it all pans out. Those make out. some of the best Pixar movies. Like, look at Coco, sure. the Day of, Day of the Dead, going through uh, 
going through the underworld or going through the afterlife from the uh, Mexican heritage perspective. Look at I mean, Inside if it, Out. Like, if you trust anyone to take a concept that you know is supposed to be it's supposed to make you feel something and also very entertaining. I think Disney and Pixar do that pretty pretty well. No, if we look 100%. back with their track record, you know. So I, 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 I trust what they got. Yeah. Yeah. No. Because I mean, this comes out in uh, June nineteenth. And this is what we've been saying. We want to see Pixar do original stories. Stop making sequels to Toy Story cars. Stop living yeah, on your past true. accolades. Make something new. And this is something new. So I gotta support this. All right. So let's talk about the final trailer, which came out today. What's that? Really interested in Scoob. I did not know. Like we've been doing this podcast for like sixty, what sixty five episodes now. Yeah. And, and we check news every when, day, Dan. And here. we check news every day. And when the heck did I not hear about a Scooby Doo remake starring Zac Efron, Amanda Seyfried, Mark Wahlberg, Jason Isaacs, Gina Rodriguez, Will Forte? Are you kidding me? Ken Jong? Like, what? Where did this come from? Yeah, this came out of left field. Warner Brothers did a good job of hiding this, but look, man, the trailer looked good. It looks like they take elements of. We're getting another origin story, so hopefully. This uh, this iteration of Scooby Doo sticks, so we can get another movie that's uh, uh, out of the origin realm. But this one, well, they go back to when Scoob and Shaggy are puppy and 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 kids. That we see the kids versions, which to me, the best Scooby Doo cartoon. I know Scooby Doo, where are you? The the classic one's good, but sure. to me, the, to me, the best one's a pup named Scooby Doo. So anytime I see elements of that, like in the trailer, we saw the uh, Captain. I don't think it's Captain Falcon, but whatever their superhero is, that was a major thing of of pup named Scooby-Doo to see. So, so see some of those references and everything that kind of got me excited for this. This is just, if for all the people who are skeptical, this is just bringing Scooby-Doo to the new, newer generation. Big They've fact. done it many times before. You they know, even, even when we were introduced to Scooby-Doo, that was a rehash of a 60s show. Yeah. So, you know, don't get too worked up about this. They're going to take some elements of like, what Linda said the pup named Scooby-Doo. We'll see the old Scooby. We'll see some of the what's new Scooby-Doo kind of stuff. I mean, it's all going to be mixed up in there. The only thing, and Hector Navarro said it pretty well as well on Twitter, is that you know, with these modern animated films, you get kind of worried about the current humor, and that you know, that's where some of the nostalgic fans like us may not vibe with it. But my my argument to that is into the Spider Verse. Yeah, it, true. Mo- modern animation took something that we knew and loved and gave us something that worked. It may have had its little tiny jokes that maybe weren't for us, but that's few and far between. Yeah, no, it made it work for on both levels of multiple ge- – it spanned so, multiple generations. So and at the end of this, I guess I would just say I'm optimistic. No, I'm, I'm definitely optimistic with this Scoob thing. It's good, good for the new kids to get a new version yeah. of Scooby-Doo because Scooby-Doo always say, works, man. It always I will, works. I will say Will Forte, I didn't know that he was the voice after I, until after I watched the trailer, and I was like, ah. Uh. Shaggy? Yeah, like, I'm not going to hate on the dude because, like, you got to do what you got to do, but it's just so hard to get that voice right, you know, for Case and Kasem. I mean. Wait, who, who, who is Shaggy in this? Is it Will Forte? Will Forte, yeah. Yeah, it is Will Forte. Man, they should have got the uh, dude who played him in the live action. Yeah. He would have um, been a better Lillard. choice. Yeah, Lillard, Lillard did a good job. Yeah. Tracy Morgan's uh, in this? Yeah, how did we not know about this? Like, this cast saying. is crazy. This cast is absolutely crazy. Jason Isaacs, Kersey Clemens, like what the heck? Like this, this cast is nuts. The kid who plays Young Sheldon is Young Shaggy. 
real? Huh? Okay, yeah. How do we know about this? Word. word. Well, the Frank Weller's still playing uh, Scoob, so they still got a classic, classic guy playing Scoob. But that, that's to. dope. Next up. Oh, you are. You, uh, no, that's it. Okay, all right. Ne- next up, after delaying production on Fantastic Beasts 3 for several months, Warner Brothers announced for filming for the third chapter in Harry Potter spinoff series will commence on spring 2020 in Re- Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. David Yates is continuing to direct. Look, this all this news does for me is tell me, push flashback another year, another two years, especially since Warner Brothers also said that they're doing five Fantastic Beasts movies. Who is clamoring for this? I mean, I like the first one. The second one was all right. Bro, I'm kind of over it. Like, ha- let Harry Potter live and die. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. I mean, they've started this trilogy. They got to finish it. So um, they're doing I'm, five movies. Uh, they started it. I mean, <laughs> I got to see. I got to see it out now. <laughs> it, and you know, I'm a defender of the first Fantastic Beast. I thought that movie was good. I thought it showed us a different aspect to things. I was really disappointed on what they gave us in the second one especially because it was so freaking long um and it's just one of these things where i think they could do it right and that was the the one thing the reason i mentioned that david yates has been doing this and that david yates has been a part of this since order the phoenix is maybe you filter something else and maybe we need to see new book yeah maybe we need another director like you know the really interesting thing about harry potter before we got to order the phoenix was it cycled a bunch of directors, and we saw a bunch of different looks at the Harry Potter world through a bunch of different eyes. You know, I always argue that Alfonso Cuaron did the best Harry Potter movie with uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, and it's not because, and it's not because of the story material, which is also why I think it's the best book. But it, I think that the world and the darkness that he made us feel, also, but also the wholesomeness was so perfect for what Harry Potter is, and I really felt the most in the world in that movie, more so than every other one. And not see, saying they I, don't. And see, look, my thing is with that, I think Mike Newell did the best job with Goblet of Fire, and we we have our different takes, but that new just shows you... New looks, exactly. We're seeing different people's visions you know, for this, but Chris still Columbus, staying in the still staying in the mind frame and staying Chris in the same Columbus's universe. first two Harry Potter movies were great, too. Different. Very different, different yeah. to very different tonally. You know, as you know, I was kind of upset that they went with Yates for this trilogy. Yeah, because same. he did. He finished out the Harry Potter saga. This is a new trilogy. Build it with someone new. If we're gonna tell a new story, you know, you know, maybe David Yates was good for the first one. And I think he did a good job with Fantastic Beast One. Like I said, you know, but when we get to the second thing. We're switching it up. Maybe we need to see something different. You know, I'm not going to hate I'm not going to base everything on directors, but it's the same way we look at coaches in football. You know, a team's not working. We go after the coach. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of the same and the way management. I'm approaching. And the management. So, that's why I'm approaching this in the same sp- space of movies. If a franchise isn't working right now and you're looking at the players with involved and you have someone that's been in the system for a while and maybe – and you've seen in the past that cycling through other things could maybe help it. But like my argument behind that is like, wait, 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 Adam, you say that now, but when you, if we talk about star Wars, that wasn't the right move. Was it? I I was just about to say, like, it's funny star Wars. We make the argument for keeping at least one director or keeping a vision, the same vision. Whereas with Harry Potter, they kind of, that's why I think the first ones worked so well, because even though we had different directors, we kept the vision. Whereas Star Wars, we went with J.J.'s idea with seven, Ryan's with eight, and now we're trying to 
shoehorn it back together with JJ's. And that's why I think Fantastic Beasts falls to a problem in well, kind of Harry well, Potter towards the end is just because they had one man's vision and with this new thing, there's no books to go off of. The well, old ones work because they he had an idea of where he had to get. This is something brand new. Sure, and the argument that I have between saying what I said about this and Star Wars is that you know with Star Wars they were dealing with a lot of heavier material, and in this Fantastic Beast thing, you know, you could have someone who wasn't attached to Harry Potter do this and do an entirely different tone, and it doesn't matter because it's not the same. It's not, none, none of the characters except for Dumbledore really carry over, and it's Dumbledore that's way in the future, so he could yeah. be different toned. So like, you, you can make it work with someone else where. The carryover for Star Wars is you had someone taking really important characters and making them do one thing in one movie, and then you had another director coming in and not really staying continuity with that. That's where the difference lies. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. But yeah, you know, Fantastic Beasts is just one of those things that everyone's got to. It just makes me mad, man. We're just delaying Flash. We're just delaying it longer and longer. Delay it because, like, at this point, I don't think you should go with Ezra. Get someone Mm -hmm. new. If it, that's, if it, you know. a, that's a conversation for another day, but that I mean, look, with the hype that we've gotten around, where's Batman, Ben Affleck? Why do we need if we if we don't have Ben Affleck? You know, why do we need Ezra Miller? And the only reason why we kept Wonder Woman is because her movie worked, and Aquaman because his movie worked. And I know they want to give Ezra a shot, but maybe we get a Flash that's more akin to fit in. Because the thing with Aquaman and Wonder Woman, it doesn't really. I don't want to say it doesn't matter their ages, but they don't have ages because they're gods. And it's sure. like th- those can I- I'll buy if they're in Robert Pattinson's universe. I can buy that. But I don't yep. know if I don't know if Ezra Miller's flash is in Robert Pattinson's Batman's universe. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that you can go off of using those characters. The, the, the part part about it is, is that Wonder Woman's story Falls so much in line with that Justice League world that they built. True, but not not totally, but kind of the way it ended, you know. Yeah. And um, and Aquaman luckily doesn't really fall too much in line with it, but time wise, that's where the question comes in. Yeah, because like nope. if because obviously you could tell that Arthur's time was modern, and if we're taking Robert Pattinson and going back. I don't, I don't think, think I, no, 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 no. you had the see, same origin. See, I don't think they're going back. I think Robert Pattinson's Batman takes place in present day. People kept no. saying not, it's not 90s. It takes place in the present day. No. Well, I mean, if they do that, then it sounds good to me. That's what they should do. That, and I think that that's, from all indications, from Umberto to Daniel, it's not taking place in the 90s. It's taking place today. So we shall see about that. Next up, Jessica Chastain will star in the comedy drama Losing Clementine from award-winning film from award-winning Argentinian filmmaker Luisa Puenzo. Losing uh, Clementine is adapted from Ashley Reem's acclaimed novel of the same name. Here's a synopsis from the book. World-renowned artist and sharply tongued Clementine Pritchard is done. Years of therapy and medication have gifted her with little more than sweaty palms and gastric upset. Now, after flushing away a cabinet full of prescriptions, she's giving herself 30 days to tie up loose ends. Uh, finish one final painting, make nice with her husband, find a home for a cat, and enjoy one last month of art world parties, road trips, and outrageous acts. What Clementine doesn't expect to, is to uncover secrets surrounding the decades-old tragedy that befell her mother and sister with the date of 
with the date of her carefully planned demise fast approaching, can she dive back into the messy business of family and life? Does she want to? Interesting. So it's like a comedy, yeah. drama, mystery. All right, cool. It's, cool. it's kind of like imagine like a uh, you know a famous art mogul's like, yeah, I'm just gonna kill myself at the end of this. I'm gonna do this, this, this. You go to the art fancy worlds, and then like all of a sudden you uncover like a big giant scandal mystery, and you're like, oh well, do I go f- ahead with killing myself, or do I try and like uncover the scandal mystery that kind of alters myself at that point? Mm, okay. And good. it's based off an award winning book. So yeah, so. might as well give that a shot. Good for Jessica Chastain. She needs sure. a, a pick me up after that stinker of a of a. Um, but she was just in it too. Oh, she was in it too. Yeah, but that was that wasn't that great either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was pretty good, but I mean, we live and we learn. I my thing with it and it too is that if it's a mo- it's a if it's a horror movie that I can make it through, then I like it. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I made okay. it. I made it. <laughs> so like, I like it. Like you know if. if if I am not making it, and we'll talk about another horror movie later that I did make it through, and I'm not necessarily saying that that's a good movie either, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zac Efron has signed on to be, to st- well, to star in this new film called King of the Jungle as a Wired magazine investigator who tracks down John McAfee at his jungle compound in Belize. The project is based on John McAfee's last stand, the story of a rogue tech... Uh, a tech mogul, John McAfee, creator of McAfee antivirus software, who left civilization to move to the jungle of Belize. Efron will portray investigator Ari Furman, who arrives in Belize and finds himself pulled into Mc, uh, McAfee's paranism, uh, par- paranoia. Casting for McAfee is still discussed. In the past, they had Keaton and Depp, who were both rumored to play that role, and Rogan was rumored to play Zach Efron's role. So do they go back to those same ideas or do we see a care um an actor of the gravitas of keaton and depp jump into this that's the question that i have and i, I don't want to get too far into the the mcafee antivirus story because it is just a giant internet rabbit hole the dude was just nuts real see i didn't even know about this i'm gonna have to research this this sounds good he ran, he ran for president in 2016 mm, okay yeah no man this sounds pretty good i'm kind of interested in this just Pictures of him and just AKs and Belize, and people were like, "Oh yeah, he murdered this dude or whatever." And he's like, "No, I didn't do anything. I don't know what you're talking about." It's oh just that sounds wildness. Wild. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds wild. That sounds pretty good. I'll definitely check that out. For sure. Yeah, I think it's something to look look forward to seeing a trailer down the line. All right, cool. The other big story that we have here is something that has been talked about some by some other actors. A lot of them showing their disdain for this. But James Dean will be brought back to the big screen through CGI visual effects for the Vietnam War era drama Finding Jack. Oh, and let me add something to this because this was said uh, we talked because I talked about this on the radio, and let me add something to this story. But the agents of James Dean said we can expect to see this happen for people like Christopher Reeves as well as many other older actors. And the agency is really excited that they can add this to movies. I don't know if this is a good thing. She, this is this is wild. The fact that we're gonna have dead actors make up for Oscars and shit is crazy. I mean, that makes no sense. Like, there can't be an an actor <laughs> up for Oscar that's not real. Like, but I mean, funny. like, my my thing about this is it's getting us closer and closer to what we saw in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. That that's gonna be a thing. And you know, I thought that that was fine for Rogue One. But I don't think we need a, an entire movie that's going to have a main character be the basis of the CGI. Like, if it's a CGI character, then it's a CGI movie. It's not live action. Yeah, no, it's I'm animated. with you on that. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and the thing with uh Rogue One as well is that Peter like it, it just it just kind of worked for that because it was just like a it was like a clip. It wasn't like nothing like he yeah. Was a main I mean, character. him and with Princess Leia. I mean, it was just like it was a few scenes, a few lines. Yeah, exactly. This is like they're trying to make him the lead actor, and like I can't I I can't imagine what they do with Christopher Reeves because DC. I just hope DC doesn't mess with that. Like leave that, let that be. Who do you think they would do that for? I mean, shit. I could see him doing like some new, like some maybe not. This is like my hypothetical down the line, but doing like a Crisis on Infinite Earths type thing and bringing Christopher Reed back at Superman. Oh, I think that would be fine. That that would, but like you know, that that's like best case scenario. Like, Worst case is they di- cast him as Superman. Di- well, different. What's different from what we're talking about here is like if you want to make a Crisis on Infinite Earths thing and involve like past iterations of characters, that's just part of the movie. You know, yeah. That's not. We're gonna put. The, we're gonna make a movie. And we're going to have the entire movie be played by a not real person. That's yeah. an animated movie. No, you're right. And I know James Dean was a real fictional person, but he's not doing this at, at like now. It's like computers with his with his likeness. I mean, he's not providing the voice. Yeah, no, for sure. None of this is James Dean. Are it, they going to get like an interpreter, like a, a James Dean voice, like, uh, you know, like uh, Frank Caliendo who can interpret... Uh, John Gruden and all that type of stuff. We're gonna get Frank Caliendo to start doing these other voices. And that's not James Dean. And Frank Caliendo better get the Oscar. Yeah, no, you're right. right. And, and and the people who designed James Dean's uh actions, they need to get the Oscar too. Sure. All right. We're, I mean, we're, we're, you know, maybe for the movie like that, your visual effects guys might get Oscars. Yeah, but not the not James Dean or the agency. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm with so, you on that. But there was a lot of actors who were out there trashing that. I can see, I can believe it. But sure. next, next up, the seventh paranormal activity movie has been scheduled for March nineteenth, twenty twenty. Why? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, I feel the same way about this. In the, the, I feel more about this than the next topic we're gonna talk about. Like, I'm more why for the next one. Paranormal activity, they, they make money for it. They only make it for like thousands of dollars, and they can make millions off of it. So I get it. Yeah, you know, the only thing that I remember that's positive about Paranormal Activity is Paranormal Activity 4 with Lyndon in college. That's the mm. only positive memory I have of Paranormal Activity is when you were up in the theater at, like, this 10.30 show and just, like, yelling and screaming. Because we were I, the only people in there. Look, bro, if I'm the only person in a movie and it's scary, look, I'm going to talk, bro. <laughs> and, like, if it's just my homies and me, yeah. I, I'm going to get my scream on. Like, it was funny. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, but... Oh, whatever, Paranormal Activity 4, whatevs. Next up, we got a fourth film in the series that should just fucking die. Excuse my language. The Fallen series. It's in the works. Jared Butler's currently working on the film called The Plane, but Butler will portray... Uh, uh, no, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, the, oh, gonna, They're going to do a fourth Fallen series, and this other movie that I'm talking about is called The oh. Plane. is totally different. Well, they're doing a fourth and a fifth fall in the fall series. Yeah. They're doing they're doing two more movies. So f that. But Butler is working on a film called The Plane. Butler will portray a commercial pilot who, after a heroic job of successfully landing his storm damaged aircraft in a war zone, finds himself caught between the agendas of multiple militias who are planning to take the plane and its passengers hostage. As the world's authorities and media search for the de- disappeared aircraft, the pilot must rise to the occasion and keep his passengers safe long enough for help to arrive. Yo, is Jared Butler's our generation's Bruce Willis? Like, can we call? Start call like is he is he getting to that phase and not I'm not saying he has 
any good movies like Bruce Willis's great movies, but in the sense of how Bruce Willis just started to make crappy action movie after action movie after action movie. That's what Jared Butler's doing, bro. Like, I mean, why is, I don't, he, do, why is he doing their, this? Their careers aren't too similar. The only difference is that uh, Bruce Willis has been in some pretty all-time movies. Yeah, uh, Bruce Willis has been in Pulp Fiction and some great movies like that. But I'm talking die about... Die Hard, Sixth Sense. Yeah, nope. six, Yeah, Sixth Sense, right? Yeah, he so, was. I'm thinking Unbreakable. Well, Unbreakable. No, he, well, he, he was, was also six, in he was Sixth Sense, right? Sense. Yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah, um, and uh, Gerard Butler... You, well, the, the similarities between the two is that, yes, Bruce Willis did a bunch of crappy action movies, but he also did a bunch of crappy rom-coms. Gerard Butler also. Crappy rom-coms, crappy action. That's what action. I'm saying. That's what I'm um, saying. Let me look into Gerard Butler real quick. The one movie that I think that I love that he did that no one talks about is Timeline, which uh, I know you haven't seen that. Yeah, I was going to say Law Abiding Citizen, 300. 300, that's his big one. 300's his big one, Law Abiding Citizen, but and then, like, I didn't like the ugly truth. Thought that shit was dumb. No. Uh, he was. Oh, in, and he was the Phantom in Phantom of the Opera. And he was the voice of How to Train a Dragon, but he well, he wasn't the voice of How to Train a Dragon. He was the. He was. The, he was the dad. Okay, but I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he's, the he's a main. He's a main part of like four movies until he dies. Uh. I gotta give him some credit for that, because other than that, if you look at his his thing, he's been in Bounty Hunter, The Fallen movie. Like, he so, he's been in some shitty movies. I think people would argue for P.S. I Love You. I haven't seen that. Like, Plan uh, for Keeps. Yo, his career's pretty similar to Bruce Willis, minus the minus the uh, great movies like Pulp Fiction, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and that shit. Yeah, Gamer wasn't as good as it could have been. Yeah, what well, Gamer had so much potential, man. I know, I know. People like the ugly truth. Uh, I feel bad that we're just dumping on Gerard Butler, but he's just been making some stinkers. Well, I mean, I'm not complete. We're not completely dumping on Gerard Butler. We're saying that he did have. He's just not. We're just saying that he's not Bruce Willis at the end of the day. Which he, I mean, he, but he's, he's his close. Book, he's close. Yeah, he like because Bruce Willis made some fucking trash. But in Gerard Butler, this is some trash. But <laughs> next up, our final story. Saban Films has acquired the North American rights to Daniel Radcliffe's dark uh, comedic sci-fi thriller Guns Akimbo from writer-director Jason Lee Howden. Uh, Saban uh, announced the deal Saturday at the American Film Festival in Santa Monica, California. Guns Akimbo held its world premiere in the uh, September at to the Toronto International Film Festival. The film also stars Samara Weaving, uh, Reese Darby, Natasha Liu, Bordi- Bordizo, uh, Natasha Liu, Bordizo, and Ned Dehaney from Peaky Blinders. Producers are Occupants Entertainment's Joe Nuarter and Felipe uh, Marino. And Four Nights Films' Tom Him. Radcliffe p- portrays a nerdy video game designer who becomes the next contestant in an illegal live-streaming death match. Interesting. From the name Guns Akimbo, I thought something totally different. Yeah, another side, in, uh, another side bio for this is a guy relies on his newly acquired gladiator skills to save his ex girlfriend from kidnappers. Ooh, it sounds kind of yeah. like uh, maybe in the vein of Scott Pilgrim, kind of. Probably so. I think there's going to be that comedic element to it for sure, um, but I think it's going to be heavy action too. Look, Daniel so I Radcliffe. Scott, has, I think Scott Pilgrim is a good example, but also I think it's going to be more to the vein, violently like kick ass. Okay, word. I hope it. I hope it works for Daniel. Uh, Daniel. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe. Like said, he hasn't put out many great movies past Harry trying. Potter. 
Yeah, he's trying to break the Harry Potter mold. Yeah, he's trying to get out there. Robert, he's Robert, trying. Robert broke it for Twilight. We got to see if Daniel and Rupert can break it for Harry because they haven't did it yet. I don't know if this is that breakout, but maybe it's something that people enjoy that he's in. And can start giving him some, some snowballs. Because, I mean, I've seen Rupert Grint get a lot more stuff, you know? Like what? Just series. Yeah, I know he's done, like, TV he's, shows. He's all over TV shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah for he, sure. He's going to be on this one that's coming out uh, called Servant. And, what is, and if we're going to call a spade a spade, what has Emma Watson done that's great? I know she's been in um, Beauty and the Beast. But, like, Beauty what has she Beast. Is she just like one of those? And and this is not me say, taking away from her intelligence because she's a very intelligent woman. But when it comes to being an actress, is she just one of those faces that we just recognize because she's pretty and because she was in Harry Potter? Well, I mean, she did go to school. Oh, true. Oh, the, yeah. Okay, so the one movie that I'll say that she did. Oh, Perks of a Wallflower. I really loved was Perks of Being a Wallflower. All right, she, I'll give it. I'll give her that. Is dope, and she does very good in that movie. Yeah, she is really good in that movie. I'll give her that, but. That it's and, also my favorite Ezra Miller movie too. That and Beauty and the Beast, I guess. And I really like Beauty and the Beast, like talking about. Yeah, so I, I see what you're saying with that. We'll just see, man. We gotta see how these Harry Potter people do because they're getting older and like, yeah. are they gonna be in more movies? I don't know. And she's and she's gonna be in this uh, this uh, Civil War movie coming out on Christmas. Mm, real well. That's all I got with the news today, Shuby. All right, so let's go into the box office. It's a pretty interesting box office slate as we see Joker jump to or fall to six. Mm, um, okay. Losing out to uh, old Daenerys Targaryen in her new movie, Last Christmas. But it ha- let me give Joker some cred. It's become the highest profiting comic book movie. It's And I know people could be like, that doesn't make sense. What about Infinity War made a billion dollars? No, for the money that they spent, it made the most profit from like once you subtract the money that they spent, they made the most out of that. So good for Joker. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah. So like I said, last Christmas at five, Terminator Dark Fate, and very much underachieving to their standards at number four. Mm-hmm. Um, Doctor Sleep, which I feel like is underachieving for them as well, is at number three. And they lost out to the John Cena comedy playing with fire. And I don't think that's too big of a surprise that this movie was at number one because it's Veterans Day week. Um, but Midway, oh, Midway? Topped, the, topped the box office. I almost thought about going to see Midway. Like, I really almost did. because I, I want to see Midway. I don't know if I want to go to theaters to see it. Same. Which, I, th- it, which, I mean, it would probably be best if I did see it in theaters. I just It's just one of those things. Where I just like, like watching know. war movies at my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I actually really be... want to go see Doctor Sleep. That's the thing. Oh, like, that's one of these that things. Out. Like, I'm looking at these this slate, and like after seeing The Shining this year, uh, I would like to see Doctor Sleep. I mean, I feel like I'm at the perfect headspace to do so because it's so fresh with me. Well, look, go check it out because this weekend I'm going to check out. Um, I'm going to check out what you call it. I'm going to check out Ford, Ford and Ferrari. And that yeah. jump and that jumps us into the movie on the rise. My movie on the ride is Ford and Ferrari. I'm going to watch it so we can review it on next week's episode. I don't know if you're going to watch it too, but uh, I think yeah. Uh, since I missed it for the festival, I gotta go and watch it now. Um, but there's also a TV series you're watching too, right? Oh, 100. <laughs> percent The the yeah. You can say it. It's your movie on the rise. No, I'm talking about your other movie on the rise that I wanted you to talk about because I'm not watching it. 
Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, Jack Ryan season two dropped. I didn't know what you were talking about because I because yeah. it, it dropped, I believe, last week. It and, did. Yeah, and I didn't get a chance to watch it until actually last night because I've been on my Breaking Bad thing pushing through in season three now, ladies and gents. We're gonna get. We're, I'm gonna watch El Camino before this year ends, but. Yeah, Jack Ryan, it starts off where last season ended. It picks up pretty much. Uh, Jack's doing this. He's an analyst right now. He's researching uh, the Viet, uh, the Venezuelan ties with Russia while uh, Wendell Pierce is in Russia being like the head liaison. And then um, basically, if Russia controls Venezuela, we'll have another Bay of Pigs situation. And Jack's trying to prevent that. And that's kind of first episode leading us into where we're going this season. Yeah, so I, I'm definitely wanting to get into my Jack Ryan bag. I just hadn't gotten around to watching. I, I, I honestly keep forgetting that Amazon is a streaming service. And that's it terrible kills, to say man. because they have great shows. But like, if I'm not watching something, like, if I'm not watching something on Amazon, I totally forget that it exists. See, my thing is, I I only go to Amazon for specific things, but those specific things are amazing. Sure. Like, like they, they're def- they're gonna have more things coming too. That's gonna make oh it yeah, worth we, watching. We didn't we didn't put this on the uh, notes, but the boys season two coming mid twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, like was that I, announced this week? That was it, it was on Carl. Nah, it was on Carl Urban's Instagram. It just feels like it's been that long. Exactly. That's how much news passes. But nah, boys season two coming midway through twenty twenty. He didn't give us a month, but I'm I'm gonna predict that that's June ish July of twenty twenty. Hopefully. So. Do you think that's the same time we get Titans twenty twenty? Uh, no, twi- Titans twenty twenty. I think they said fall. Yeah, I'd have to think it'd be a full year. So Titans, I think we're getting same time we got it this year, like Octoberish, Septemberish. Yeah, and we would put that in the notes too. But we're going to talk about Titans later, so that was all going to come up. Exactly, but that's all we really got on movie on the rise. Uh, where are we starting first? It's always sunny. Yeah, let's do that first. We got a few episodes to go over. We can just do it kind of quickly. Uh, the episode about uh, the the black and white Charlie being Great. the jan- janitor that was all time. That was I was one of those things that reminded me so much of the Nightman Cometh. Just because yeah. like my favorite part of the Nightman Cometh is them acting and, and then like play. also being themselves as they're acting. Be like, no, this isn't me. Or like, you can't fucking do that, man. Like, like <laughs> just like the little ad-libs that they have in between it and like i didn't know that that was what they were going for until d kind of definitely broke the fourth wall yes and d just kept hating the character that they gave her it this was this was a i think is always sunny picked up after the gang text because they've gone three for three we didn't talk about the gang text last week but that episode was great yeah i have heard some pushback on it uh from other always sunny fans I think it was good, but it lacked in full potential. Mm. I think they really could have taken that concept and really ran with it. I think that they wasted that texting concept on the zoo. Yeah, all right. I, I'll I'll bite that because I love some of the humor in it, but I definitely thought they could have done more with it. I think that it, the zoo would have been funny if it was just the zoo, and I think the texting would have been funny if it, it related more so to a to a scheme. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Okay, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. I, I, like, see, what if the texting was with the with the global warming episode? See, yeah, that would have been really interesting. Yeah, so, but... So, I mean, I like that episode, and I think that the concepts themselves were really interesting for Always Sunny. I, 
I wish they could. They just would have been swung around differently, but I think that they were landed still. Yeah, no, I definitely think it landed. Like that's what I'm saying. Like after, I think we started off the first three. Thunder Gun was good, but I think yeah. D Day, the gang chokes in the first episode might have been some misses. But then we come to gang text, janitor mops twice, and then the gang solves the global warming crisis. Had me <laughs> laughing my ass off for the first time. Like the janitor had me laughing my butt off, but. Laughing my ass off was the gang solves global warming crisis. That was hilarious. Uh, it was a wild one, man. Like all the stuff, like all the D naked in, in the solid D the and heat. Charlie, D and Charlie adventures. Like Frank have inviting the Asians over and they're they're standing in the water. Like, yeah, like all that shit. The AC going out. Uh, Dennis trying to give a speech and then they mob him. The bar gets destroyed. Charlie keeps m- losing the ice. It was great. It was just great shenanigans from the It's Always Sunny crew. And that's what I wanted from this season a lot. And that's yeah. kind of what I felt this season was missing. And you're talking about maybe incorporating a texting element into that episode. That would have actually been really funny like to see like what the conversation would have been for Charlie and Dee talking to Dennis and everyone at the bar. That would have been really also, interesting. Also, something like, I was looking forward to is from I just just because I just thought of it. Last episode, we finally got our first side character view on the Janner Mobs twice. We got to see Cricket. And the waitress. Yeah. And I think in the next episode, we're seeing more cricket. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Which is good, because I feel like we're due Missing in that. the next couple episodes for a big side character episode. Whether it's like, you know, in the last season where you had an entire episode that was pretty much cricket. Like, I feel yeah. like that's going to come. I don't know who it would be. Uh, but I think that's that's coming up pretty soon. Yeah, I think we're missing a Ponderosa, a waitress, a cricket episode. We haven't seen oh, from them in a while. I think, you know, touching into the O'Poyles would be interesting now, now that that guy is a bigger star. Uh, also, yep. Artemis, because she's also, I wouldn't say, she's a bigger star than when she started at Always Sunny. That's what I was thinking. Too much. I was kind of think that I, I was blanking on her name, but I think another character that could use a good side story would be Artemis, because I love every time she's in. She's hilarious. Yeah, she is. But dope, man. Finally got to talk. It's always sunny for those people. I think the season's picking up. I think it started off a little slow, but I think it's picking up now. And and It's Always Sunny's fans are in for a treat for these next couple episodes. But next up, let's talk His Dark Materials real quick because we're not going to be reviewing this week to week. What would you think of the pilot? My girlfriend thought the pilot was a lot of talking, and it really didn't hook her. Me, on the other hand, I I, I was kind of hooked by the pilot. It's a little bit of... What you're saying and what she's saying, like it did kind of underwhelm me with its boringness because like you got to think about what it spawned off of and it was the Golden Compass, which didn't land with a lot of people because of its boringness. Mm, true. And it's like way too fanatical idea to grasp. So like I think you're, what was really interesting about Watchmen is it's very fanatic, fanatical and crazy, but they they grounded it enough that you could jump in and be like oh, okay i understand what this is exactly like that's what my girlfriend said she's like i don't get why there's these talking things like why is sure. all this shit happening but with Watchmen, it's like at the end of the day it's the police chief gets killed we're trying to solve the murder of the police chief yeah there's all this extra shit that's going on with like the superhero tie-ins but or the, the, the squids coming yeah. from the thing yeah but at the end of the day my girlfriend's interested in this in normal I, I i say my girlfriend because she reminds me of the casual viewing audience they're interested in this because it's a it's a mystery. It's a murder mystery story. Who killed the police chief and what was he doing with that Ku Klux Klan costume and all that shit? There's a premise sure. behind there. I don't know what the premise of his dark material. Like I don't know what's gonna be that underlying well, thing that hooks normal they viewers. Try, 
So they try to explain the world to you based in like Star Wars text crawl. Off yeah, they did. Yeah. And I'm like, that's always a bad sign because <laughs> like you're just expecting people to pay that much attention. You know, half the time people watch TV now, I'd say 10% of that, they're looking at a phone screen. So they probably missed it. So, you know, you, you ha- you're depending on people just to understand your words. So they don't understand, like, the concepts of, like, having the – I don't even know what they're called, the, the uh, animals the, that they the, buy. The, the demons. They're called demons. They're not called demons. Yeah, they're called – it's D-A-E-M-O-N-S. And maybe their English accent made me think it was demons. It might be demons. Or dima- diamonds or I, I'm, de- I, we don't find out tonight. or something like that. Don't worry, but I think it's demons. And if you, you guys let us know in the comments below if you watch his dark materials, what you think. And oh, on any of the topics, I forgot to say this for the Alfred thing and the Batman stuff, but let us know what you think of the casting of Alfred with Andy Serkis and the casting of uh, Colin Farrell's Penguin. Let us know in the comments below on SoundCloud or hit us up on Twitter. But continue. But, YouTube, yeah. You know, what I will say, though, is that I think the acting performances are phenomenal. I think Daphne Keene is doing a really great job. I'm really I invested love James in her McElroy. character. And I like their, the dynamic with her and James McAvoy. Like, they're, they're working for me. And I think, like, once we get more into Daphne traveling along with this chick, I think she's going to work, too. Uh, there's just I, a lot of things. that There's just so many questions that haven't been answered. And that's, like, my thing. And I'm telling people again, the three-episode rule. Watch it for three episodes and then tell me if you don't like it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely come back to his dark materials after episode three. We're not going to review episode two, obviously, but... For episode three, I'm going to come back to you and, and let you know what I think. But I, I even like the story with – what were those people called? They weren't Egyptians. What were they? What, was, what were they called? You're talking about the scholars? Or no? No, um... no, 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 no. Not the scholars. The kid, the, like, the, it seemed like they were the poor class. Oh, yeah, where the kids, like, getting abducted or whatever. Yeah, I was more – that's that's And that's, and that's not explained well. And so, no, like, I'm not. just like – so at times I'm wondering, like, so where are the they, – Go between where do they tie in? And we see it at the end how they tie in. They're all going to London to yeah find to, the gobblers. The gobblers, that's what they're called. Yeah, they, they, they took uh they took her friend Roger or whatever his name. Roger, is. yeah. Which yeah. I thought that I didn't think it was gonna be the gobblers. I thought it was gonna be that lady just killing Roger just so that you mm-hmm. wouldn't have to take him. I was yeah, kind of hoping that was gonna be the case. I was kind of figuring <laughs> that, but I still think the ladies like tied in with like the magisterium and all that shit. I don't know. I think they trust her, but uh, not fully. Okay, all right. Well, we're gonna like I think out. I think like the headmaster or whatever knows that she's best for Daphne Keene's future. But uh, she might not be best uh, for also, Daphne Keene's future that's planned by James McAvoy. Sure. And but I also think that in a sense they want Daphne Keene to be taken by the Magisterium because her whole prophecy is that she's gonna betray somebody. So why not betray the Magisterium? True, true, true. So I who don't do you, know. I don't know how. Who do you think she betrays, James McAvoy or the woman? Oh, I don't know. I don't think she. I don't think he betrays either one of them. That's why I'm saying. Like I think it was going to be something else. I, I'm betting she betrays James McAvoy, or or James McAvoy betrays her. Something I'm, like that. But I mean, I'm sure. Like people are like, you guys could go find out what happens if you just Google Golden Compass. But we're not doing that. Like, I'm, I look. If you haven't read the book, like me and Schubert. I don't watch the movie. I don't remember the movie. Oh, see, I didn't even watch the movie. I'm predicting James McAvoy betrays that girl or she betrays him. One of the two. Because that's the only betrayal that I think. I mean, unless the lady, like, it comes, like, their relationship grows. But from episode one, the only relationship that seems betray worthy is either Roger, which I don't think is happening, or James McAvoy. Yeah. 
But that's all I got on his dark materials. I'm gonna definitely give it the three episode watch though. I got you. Yeah, I think that's the way we got to go through with this. Like, I'm not doubting the show. I definitely want to watch it again. But like, yeah, I I didn't think I got the same reaction from it that I did from Watchmen. No, where definitely. like I was like, I get it. I get where we're going. I get I get what direction it is. I'm excited for where we're gonna go go with this. Where we're like with Dark Materials. I'm like, okay, I think I understand what's going on. What is this? What is this? What is this? Can you yeah. answer it for me? No, I'm with you on that. Well, let's speaking of Watchmen, let's jump to the shortest episode of the season. Uh, it went by really fast. I wanted more, and I know we said Ozymandias is due for an episode soon. We kind of got. Let's talk about him real quick, just because this episode focuses more with Knight, um, Sister Knight, and then uh, and the FBI lady. Yeah, in Silk Spectre. Or or Miss Blake, Detective Blake, or not FBI agent Blake. We'll get to that in a second. Let's talk Ozymandias. We finally figure out Ozymandias isn't creating the well. He's making the clones in a sense, but he's not making. He's not. He's not creating them. He's not because he said, "I'm your master. I'm not your creator." He just incubates them and puts them in a microwave so they can come out and take care of them. He's trapped. Like I said last episode, it's a prison. Yeah, that was weird. Yo, it's a yo, it is a priest on a prison. He's been there for like five years. So that means before that he was off in Earth somewhere doing some other shit. And every and we see him catapulting the dead bodies off the area, but it just goes into the cloud and we don't see we don't see it fall. We don't see it do anything. I, and also because if you watch the preview for the next episode, I, I don't think any more Schubert Ozymandias is making trying to recreate Dr. Manhattan. I think he's actually doing what you said and trying to make a spacesuit. That's what I'm saying. Like I felt the, like the, the catapult plot. had more more to do with like him trying to get it to space. Yep, it's it's him making a well, maybe not to space, but it's him making him making that suit so when he flies in the catapult thing, he can breathe, and and he can get out, he can go to space or go wherever he has to go. I oh, wanna, so I think what you're saying is is like he's trying to create this catapult to get out of the prison that he's in. Yes, and he 100%. he doesn't think he's gonna survive the torque. Yeah, and this suit maybe it's a space suit, maybe he goes to space. But this suit is gonna, and this is from just preview for next episode. But this is just me tying all these things together that we've learned from his story so far, and giving you the only speculation I can. I think that he's trying to escape from whatever this is. I'm interested to see who has him captured. I was thinking maybe it could be a, another Watchmen character that we know before, but nothing really makes sense. I think it ties back to that pirate flag we saw in the beginning. So I'm very interested to see what happens with Ozymandias. But learning that these he picks these babies up out of the sea and puts them in like this microwave and he was pulling heads off the babies when they didn't look right, throwing them back in the my girlfriend was like, What the hell is this crazy old man doing? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> Jeremy Hines did not get a lot of screen time, but the screen time he got was dope. All right, let's jump to Sister Knight and Blake. Uh Sister Knight's having some problems, aka Regina King with her home life she has to destroy the wheelchair and everything she goes and there's a great scene she breaks into the community center and we see her family tree and when they kind of fused her face together with like how the old man's face i was wondering if this is possible do you think she's a clone of will do i think that she's a clone of will yeah you're talking about angela i'm talking about yeah is angela a clone of old black man no, she's a descendant. I know she's a descendant, but like, I don't know, Shuby. I I know she's a descendant, and oh, I, I see. What, I see what what you're saying. Like, what you're saying is is like 
So he whenever not he was connected in with, uh, yeah. with, with uh, what's your face? Asian True. Lady. Yeah, Doctor uh, Doctor Trio. Yeah, Lady. What well, I thought it was Lady True. Oh, Lady True. Like whatever her name is. Yeah. Lady True. Whatever her name is. And like I, I see what you're saying now, where they had ties in Vietnam, and so like they made her in Vietnam. Yeah. And like she doesn't have parents. They just told her her parents died, and she's really a clone of Will. But then I don't understand how the ancestry thing comes in because there's still a layer on that branch. Oh, I mean, like if you clone her from the woman and from whatever woman that they said that was her grandmother and her mom, I mean, they could they could forge that those records, Shuby. I guess, but I mean, I don't understand like the, the why I have the link. I feel yeah. That's just that's just wild speculation. That's just me giving some predictions because we don't really give predictions for Watchmen. That's just me doing some speculation, some potential theories, but. Okay, so oh, well, and so like the ending really kind of left me perplexed because now I'm wondering like where where are all the sides like who's on whose side kind of deal like well I let's feel get like to, let's get to Lady True because she's in this she's in the uh, center the, the opening car, scene yeah the car falls and it's back to with the Lori Blake situation that happened at the end of the episode and she's she's laughing because she thinks it's Doctor Manhattan then Sister Knight comes in and she's like oh no this is my car and she's like wait what the fuck this is your car like Lori Blake's taken back because she thought this was Doctor Manhattan laughing at her and doing some crazy shit that that weird lady and then so they've realized the car is for Lori Blake they do some inspection whatnot she goes to Looking Glass to give her the pills to research to see what's up with this and, and his gives, bunker yeah in his weird bunker because he has like conspiracy theories about the he, he hates the squid shit he's he he has some shit going on with him that we'll find out next episode she sure. gives him the, the clan outfit and then basically for the rest of the episode it's Lori blake and uh and uh sister knight trying to figure out where the car came from and they they get it to this lady lady true who made the new wonder of the new world and she's the scientist or whatever and they go there and they're talking, whatever, and then Lady True hits her with a, I know this old Vietnam thing, and she's like, your grandpa asked where, where the pills at, bitch. And, and uh, Regina King was like, tell him, come get the, tell him, call me himself, motherfucker. And I was just like, yo, Regina King, talking that shady shit in, in Vietnam. Like, Lori Blake might not know Vietnamese uh, dialect. That's what I was thinking. I was like, this, this chick probably knows what y'all are saying right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, y'all just think Lori Blake's just a dummy. She not she not no dummy. She's smart. Yeah, uh, for sure. The, the Watchmen question I had was when they were talking about her origin. They said the Silk Spectre was her mom. She oh she, okay she is she okay she's the she's the second iteration of the Silk Spectre. Okay. The first yeah, is I, I don't know all that. The uh, okay so the the first iteration is from the Minutemen that that uh the old dude was talking about in the fifties sure. and sixties. The comedian was also part of the Minutemen or he was a part of it in some weird way, and he raped Lori Blake's mom, who was the first Silk Spectre. Through her trauma and everything, Lori Blake took the, the role of the Silk Spectre as well. Gotcha. She was the Silk Spectre for Owlman, Rorschach, Ozymandias, and Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan, her, yeah. Her, her mom was the Silk Spectre for the dude with the noose around his neck, uh, the first night owl, comedian, and some other people. I, I forget the other minute. So it was a mantle thing. Yeah, it was. Gotcha. Yep, yep, so yep. So yeah, I thought that was a pretty interesting scene where she's like, "Oh, well, you just ask him about it." And then episode, the episode really ends with we find out old black man is with Lady Tru. She's like, 
we've already started this. She was like, you better not pull out now. And she was like, he old black man was like, in three days, my only descendant is going to hate me for this. I ain't pulling out. I'm all in. I'm in this. And he stands up, starts walking around. I was like, oh, shit. Old black man doesn't need a wheelchair. What the hell is going on? And then he starts saying TikTok, TikTok. And I was like, ah. Old black man's wildin'. What ha- like, and so I want to go back to that opening scene where, you know, Lady True goes to the family and, and pretty much gives them a genetically engineered baby, which could be what you're that, saying uh, Angela. with Angela. Yep. So, like, that makes a little bit of sense to me now that we're thinking about that. So, that, and then the meteor or something or other falls on that land. I want to know what that was. Yeah, I bet that ties back to it, too. Oh, I'm sure we're going to find out soon enough. And I was asking my girl, just just real quick, would you have taken their deal? I like my I, my girlfriend's like, if they just offered me a baby, I'd have taken that deal. I was like, hell no, we're farmers. We just sold our land. We have no way to make money. The people better come correct. Not only giving me a baby, they better give me some millions, dog. I'm giving forty eight. She, she, you didn't listen. They, they no, no, she that. gave five. No, she gave five million dollars. I was just asking you, would you have taken it without the five million dollars? No. Yeah, no, hell no. I want the money. The kid can come second, but I need that money first, dog. You, you took my livelihood away. Pretty much. And, what and are you going to do? Yeah. And it seemed like if she said, if they said no, she was going to just kill him. Oh, yeah. She was definitely going to kill him. Like, it, she, it seemed like she wasn't just taking no for an answer. I thought it was hilarious, though, that she just did that. She was like, I know that this thing's going to come in three minutes. I'm like, you guys are the most, three, the most important p- people for these next three minutes. And then this giant rock's going to fall out of the sky. Now I got some shit to work on. Yeah, that shit's crazy, man. Her, the, her relationship with her daughter is really weird, too. Yeah, that, I think her daughter might be a, one of those created babies. Probably so. I, could, I would I only could, assume. And that could make sense why Will asked, are you doing the same thing with your daughter? And maybe that's why she didn't want to be as material in the sense of, or, or I don't know if material is the right word, but show her motherly side. For, because she didn't want to go check on her after her nightmare, and maybe her nightmare from Vietnam, because that girl's never known Vietnam, maybe that's Lady True's actual real nightmares. Yeah, I think something along those lines, but I would feel like we'd have something with that with Angela, too, if that was the case, if like their dreams are coexisting. We could. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we find that out in the next couple episodes. That's, that's possible, yeah. But, yeah, no, man, Watchmen, this episode was good. This episode... There's a lot where, of questions. Where last episodes answered a lot of questions, this one brought up more, but still answered some. Sure. Well, I mean, we just jumped into, like, a new phase of the show now after the last episode because now bringing in Agent Blake and, you know, we're getting a little bit more tie-in to the Watchmen that we know about. Um, I th- it's getting a little bit more uh, a- off being grounded. Like, what we were saying in the beginning, what they started grounded, and now they're getting... Out there, yeah. So like, which which I feel comfortable with. I'm like, okay, I know what the basis of everything is, and now we're expanding a little bit. And I'm like, okay, I, I I see where this is playing in. I see where this is playing in. So like, I like the pace and progression of the show so far. This may have been the shortest one and posed a lot of questions, but we're jumping into the next phase of the season. So now we're trying to be like, okay, well now we're gonna find out about Lady True. We're gonna find out. Uh, about Will, we're gonna find out about Angela's um, descendant ship, or you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I feel you. I feel everything. Like it, it's definitely we've already introduced the show. Now it's time to get into the meat and potatoes. Of everything. Sure. Ozymandias but, is the one thing that I'm a little bit still 
questioning. Oh yeah, I'm still, I'm still, where I'm like, he's the most interesting thing going on in this show. Because also, Lady True had a statue of him, and and uh, Agent Blake was like, why do you have a statue of him old? Like he didn't look like. Because you got to think, it was said that he died after the shit that happened in Watchmen. So if he died, why the hell do you have him as an old man? Like he didn't look like this. <laughs> So that That's I mean, l- Agent Blake's like, "Yo, what the hell is this shit? Why is this happening?" And I wouldn't makes... be surprised if Lady True had part to do with him being in prison. I wouldn't be surprised. Or, or, okay, that's one possibility. Or the other is Lady True's company is really Vite Industries, and they just changed over the names. And he used to. Well, used she to... bought bought it. So well, I mean, so like they're in ties. They're yeah. Cahoots. Or they used to be at least, if not now. Sure. Word, word, I could word. see it being where they were used to be, and then she was like, "Okay, well, I want to do this," and he's like, "Well, that's crazy," and then she's like, "Well, screw you, I'm gonna do it anyway," and then just takes over. That's possible as well. Yeah. So, lots of questions. Lots of questions. Let's jump to Titan season two. Oh man! All right, look, this episode wasn't as bad as the last one. wasn't as bad as Fallen, but this one wasn't for me too much either. Titan's Tower comes under attack by Mercy Graves while Dick's uh, in reconciliation in prison. Schubert, would you think? Let's let's do the Beast Boy, uh, Superboy storyline first. Uh, Crypto. Well, that was the one I cared the least about. Yeah, let's get it out of the way. Superboy, Superboy kicked Crypto out the way. Crypto went go get Beast Boy. Beast Boy goes get Superboy, and they all go back to Titan's Tower. Mercy Graves breaks in. Superboy and Beast Boy. Uh, Superboy and Beast Boy start doing some fighting stuff. I think they could have beat Mercy Graves stuff, but for the plot device, they had to let them lose. They lose. They get taken to Cadmus. We don't see Superboy for the rest of the episode. Beast Boy's talking to Mercy, and she's like, um... I want to leave. I want to be a Titan. Yeah, he was like, I want to be a Titan, but she was like, the guy from Doom Patrol didn't utilize your full powers. Let us help you become the best version of you. And then, so, is Beast Boy going to get more powers? We're going to see... But then she's, like, saying that he can go back to the Titans, so... And kind of uh, insinuating that she might be using him as like a bait, which really doesn't make much sense to me. Because if you have Beast Boy and you have Superboy, you have everyone that you could really use, except for Raven. Yeah, true. And, and you don't even know Beast Boy exists. I, I, and I guess you know Donna too, but Donna's a, a special case. I don't really yeah. think that. I think Raven is too. I think they got the perfect two people in Cadmus right now that they would want out of the Titans group. I and I and, and I don't else. think. And I don't think they know about anyone else. I don't think they are concerned about anyone else. Probably not. So that I mean, I mean they, didn't, they didn't even know about Beast Boy for real. Exactly. So yeah. that that pretty much ends Beast Boy's story. We get a connection to Doom Patrol. So we're gonna see how long Beast Boy stays in Cadmus. I think that ends next episode. And I think they're gonna like the rest of the Titans are gonna get together to try to save. You know, him. with Titan three, with Titan season three, we've talked, or some people have said that they wanted to see Cyborg come into play. What if Cyborg has something to do with breaking into Cadmus at the end of this? Or, mm-hmm. I don't know. But, I mean, I think we're getting Superboy in a Deathstroke matchup, so I think that's not going to happen, but yeah, I think they can out break, ideas. I think they get broken out next episode for sure. Probably so. And, but I'm, I'm still interested to see well, how we well, come back well, to Deathstroke. Dick has to break out first. Uh, let, all right, let's get to that. So, wait, no, no, real quick, before all we right, get to that. Donna let's, and Raven. Yeah, Donna and Raven. So Raven's at some soup kitchen trying to be by herself because she feels like, oh, my powers, I can't be around them. I got to be by myself. She saves this girl, and she thinks she controls her raven powers. She ends up doesn't, and her raven powers end up going into... Going soccer. off on the rogue. Like, going yeah, rogue. going into a gargoyle and then killing this man. So, Which is kind of cool. 
and Donna finds it, so Raven's not in control like she thinks. Or was that Trigon? I, some people, I think it was Reddit, Trigon. Some people in Reddit were phasing to me like, was that Trigon leaving her body, and is that going to be a way for us to see Trigon again? I think that's possible. I think that like pieces of him are falling off, or Sticking she has, she can't can yeah she can't hold it all in, especially when she lets it out, you know. Yeah, so it's gonna be interesting to see how they use Raven going forward. But let's talk. Let's talk about the mean potatoes of this episode. Dick in jail. I told you we we're gonna have a prison. All these damn superhero shows gotta have a prison episode, which means we're gonna have to have a prison break episode. Dick is in there. They bring. Where in was the Santa, break? They bring in Santa Prisca, or was it Santa? Was it Santa Prisca? What was the place they uh said that those people were from? Oh no, Cor- uh, Cor- Corto Maltese. It was Corto Maltese. Yeah, yeah. It's not that Santa because right. I thought it was uh I thought it was the place of uh Bane, but it's Corto Maltese, and I'm pretty sure that's in some versions of DC they say that that's where Bane is from. Some say it's from Santa Prisca. For the most part, I think it's uh Santa Prisca. So just throwing that out there. It's a it's a possible place for uh. Bane, possible not. So just wanted to throw that out there. But good tie in. A possible Bane tie in, but I don't think we really need that. Yeah, I don't think we need that at all either. I think so, I think the I think the main purpose of this was to have Dick have get back into the spirit of helping people again. And you know, obviously that logo of the god is supposed to help spawn the Nightwing logo. Yeah, the help the Nightwing idea. We got the the title of uh Az Al Azul. And if you break those words down into two separate words, one is wing and one is blue. So not Nightwing, but Blue Wing. And I really would love if we get some talk of Superman origin of Nightwing, but I don't think that's the case. I think this prison stint is going to birth what this version of Titans Nightwing is. And they took some of liberties from the Superman comic book story and bring it in. And we also see stills from the next episode. So Bruce Wayne is in the next episode. Bruce got to come get his boy out of jail, bro, because Dick could have left prison when he helped the uh, people escape after they were they told him they weren't really there. They were just detained for no reason, and they're trying to escape persecution. He helps them escape. He could have escaped with them, but he chose to stay in jail, and we got to see how he gets out. This episode is basically, like you said, Shuba, this whole episode is here for the purpose of Garth and Superboy and Cadmus and Dick beginning to understand who Nightwing, how, how he can become Nightwing. Sure, and like getting his motivations, which kind of actually seem very vapid, is that oh yeah, so like I'm gonna be old, I'm gonna be like yeah, I'm not gonna save anyone, fuck everybody, and then like these dudes in prison are just gonna be there and give him like one speech, and then he's like oh yeah, you know they're right. (laughs) What? That's why I need a Bruce speech next episode, like, and that's why I feel like he still stayed in jail because it was like it made him want to help people, but he's not 100% there. I think he just wanted to help them. Yeah, he just wanted to help those specific people. Exactly. So sure. And Bruce like, got to come talk you, to him. And if you went and said about the Bruce stills, I would have suggested that maybe, you know, maybe your Bane tie-in comes into play with breaking, re-breaking him out or something like that. Maybe that that relationship comes to pass, but I doubt it. No, no, it's definitely Bruce Wayne's gonna have to do something because that's the only thing that makes sense logically in this version of Titans. Yeah. Yeah, because so, he's got he's got to get out in a way that doesn't make him a fugitive. Yes, the whole next episode is about breaking Dick and Gar out of prison. 
I'm still interested to see how Deathstroke comes in. Maybe Deathstroke finds out that they're all together again, and that's how he comes. But I, we got to see how that big showdown with Deathstroke happens at the end. Well, I think we're still waiting on it. Well, we got we got the next episode. We have three episodes left. Yes. So, so I don't think we see him in this one, but we'll see him in the next two. In 12? Yeah, I think we see him in 12. I think episode in this episode we see a Starfire. We see what Rose and Jason are doing. I just hope that we get a season finale this time. Yeah. And not a part true. one. No, I'm with you on that. And Because season three, the artwork is all blue. And it's insinuating that it's the Nightwing season. It's the season we've been waiting for. <laughs> sure. So hopefully. I'm waiting to see him now. Yeah, I know. By episode, and I think episode 13's name is going to be Nightwing, so that's dope. Oh, perfect. Uh, but was there anything else that we need to talk about with Titans? No, I don't think so. No, nah, that was it. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, well, well so, into, uh, yeah. so I think without any further ado, I think everyone's been waiting for it. Let's go to this Pitch It match. Take it away. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our pitch it match that we've been waiting for for a long long time is finally here it was on me and shuby we had stuff to take care of but we got it for you guys and this is a big match super excited we're gonna have jake madison of locked on pelicans taking on shemit dua of bourbon street shots also his pod in the know we're super excited to have both of them how are you gentlemen doing today doing great happy to be on here talking all sorts of crazy ideas yeah, man, this is this is this is different than just basketball. This is this is you're we're playing pitch it from movies, TV, film, and sports. It's gonna be an interesting game. Also joining me, co-host of Pitch It, Adam Schubert. I mean, a lot of games out there are all about your knowledge and your depth of you know idea of the concept, but this is puts like everything together. You know, we're gonna have people telling us what they believe. It doesn't necessarily have to be right. It doesn't necessarily have to be wrong. It doesn't have to be feasible it could be anything you know we're just having fun yeah exactly and it's all about the arguments well let's get started we have our mystery third judge on hand he'll be here ready to tie to uh, do any tiebreakers round one we've given them the question so we'll get started schubert put two minutes on the clock please and then uh we'll flip a coin right now to see who goes first jake do you want heads or tails uh, I'll take heads. Okay. You said tails, correct? You said heads. Uh, oh, heads, heads. Okay, my bad. <laughs> my mistake. All right. It is tails. Schmidt, do you want to go first or second? I'll take second. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All right. Schubert, put two minutes on the clock for Jake to begin his opening pitch. And in three, two, one, Jake, you can begin. Okay, so if we're doing a video game that has got to be a TV series, one thing immediately jumped to mind, given that yes, the other day was November 7th, so we are going Mass Effect, the original Mass Effect trilogy. We're skipping Andromeda here, going for more of a Game of Thrones in space sci-fi kind of vibe with everything. But there's a larger picture here, and that series is beloved, and people are going to tune into this. Because they want to know how the story plays out. Everyone has their own playthrough of that game series. We're now going to make a canon one, the official one. And that's important for something that's coming up in a minute. The star of the show, Femme Shepard, was the by far better acted of the two. We're going with Kristen Wiig as female Shepard in this one, who was excellent. Um, And a couple of other things, she's now going to be playing Cheetah in Wonder Woman. So she's definitely got the chops for more of an action role. 
you have Martin Sheen playing the elusive man in the voice for two, you may as well bring him back. But here's the thing about making this canon and picking official decisions for it all. That means you can then do a Mass Effect 4 that takes place in the same universe. You couldn't do that before because of all the different decisions that gamers made over different generations of consoles. Now you have an official one. You can kick off a new you know, trilogy that's kind of a sequel to everything. This is going to be streaming on Amazon because they probably need to kick a whole ton of money to EA to revive the series into Bioware after the, the uh, debacle that was Mass Effect Andromeda. That's my pitch. All right. All right, Tom, 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 cool. All right, Schubert, put two minutes on the clock for Schmidt. Schmidt, if you're ready, you can begin your pitch in three, two, one. So growing up, my favorite game was on the handheld Nintendo Game Boy, which was Pokemon, yellow, red, blue, whatever, whichever one you want. I'm going to pick the original Pokemons. We're going to turn this into a live-action TV show, okay? I know P- Detective Pikachu was a thing. We're going to go above and beyond. Main character is 55-year-old Danny DeVito. He is trying to relive his life as a Pokemon trainer, this time he's going up against gym leaders that are all between the ages of 10 to 12 years old. His main <laughs> buddy, Pikachu, voice acted by none other than Dwayne The Rock Johnson, is his no-nonsense partner to a very nonsense Danny DeVito. The object of this, this show is for Danny DeVito to collect all the badges and become a Pokemon champion so he can show to his child who is who he has lost touch with that he can still be a loving father. That is my pitch. All right, Tom, Tom, Tom. Schubert, you can begin. Uh, if you have any questions for either person, you can begin to give your questions for them to address in the rebuttal. Um, I guess for Schmidt, I'd want to ask, is it the same traditional region of Pokemon from that game series? Uh and for Jake, I got to ask, you know, Mass Effect was a game that was massively popular, but not necessarily with everyone. What's the what are some of the things that you think would draw someone who's never heard of Mass Effect or seen Mass Effect before? Ooh, great question for Jake. Mine was similar along those lines. Just just give for like Schubert said, for the people who might not necessarily know what that game's about, I Understood when you said Game of Thrones, but if you can just give us a little bit more. And for Schmidt, are we going comedy or is this a serious show? I I, I want to know where you stand with the comedic elements on all this. But other than that, that's all I have. And then uh, Schubert, you could put a minute 30 on the clock for Jake to begin his rebuttal slash answer our questions. All right. And then you can begin, Jake, in three, two, one. Yeah, like I said, it's it's a Game of Thrones in space, basically, and that did pretty well kind of recently. We'll just make a bit of a better ending for everything here. But you have the human characters. There's a number of other alien races. Part of that series is kind of the interplay between all of them, the political side of it, making tough decisions that are going to piss off a group of people versus others. And how do you kind of manage all of these different factions? and get them to come together for the bigger threat against the universe, which is the Reapers in that series, and kind of unifying them all. So you get the action, you get the kind of overarching plot of 
protecting just the universe in general, but also those political things, those conversations that you can have. And those are some of the best episodes of Game of Thrones. The final season, I think everyone's favorite episode was the the one right before the big battle where it's just everyone kind of hanging out, talking. It might have been Seven Realms, I think it was. And so you get a lot of that on the show, getting to know these characters, really getting great character moments. It's very character driven. I think that's kind of the goal that'll get people to tune in that might not care about the game series otherwise. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right, should we put a minute 30 for Schmidt for his rebuttal? And then, uh, Schmidt, you can begin your pitch in three, two, one. We're going to lean really heavily into the comedy. Danny DeVito is going to fail his way through these different obstacles in life. It's definitely set in the Kanto region of original Pokemon games and it's this world where it's it's really modernized so you have uh danny devito who you may liken to a typical boomer trying to fit in with the young hip kids that are playing pokemons these days and uh just trying to make his way in life all right all right all right cool man this is a great opening round i like because the thing is two very different pitches yeah two very different pitches but two thorough pitches that's the thing about these round ones man like we give them to an advance and and they come they they have to come correct because they had time to plan and both guys came correct schubert what's your thoughts on uh both pitches real quick well like i said they're very two different things you know schmidt's giving us something that's way more comedic uh and, and then Jake, you know, giving us something that's going to be could possibly be like the next big epic, you know, the next big Game of Thrones. So, I mean, it's, for me, I really have to lean to the Mass Effect stuff just because the Pokemon stuff is it's be it'd be like the fifth or sixth time we've seen it. Where like Mass Effect, I've you know, I didn't really play the game that much. I remember playing it, you know, through other people and, you know, just seeing the story. So I do understand where the story's like. A big draw there so i think that mass effect the way that it is constructed as a game where it is very story heavy would be really beneficial to build into a tv series see okay i i'm kind of torn because i feel kind of similar to you in the sense of jake's idea works on, on an amazon it, it it really could be their sci-fi epic and we haven't seen a really good sci-fi television show, in my opinion, since The Expanse. I don't know about The Mandalorian coming out. I don't know about any of these other shows. And we need one of those epic political type shows in space. But at the same time, I love that comedy idea of Danny DeVito being a boomer, dealing with all these young hip like that, that. To me, that's hilarious. And I know we've seen Detective Pikachu, but we haven't necessarily seen a show like that. If you're going with Jake... I'm going to have to go with Schmidt, and that means we're going to have to consult the mystery third judge. Let me ask him who he is choosing. Ooh, okay. All right. Well, he sent it in fast. That's how, that's how I know my, guy, my guy's on the ball. <laughs> he's, he's giving us the why real quick. But to answer uh, who he has chosen, he's chosen Jake. So Jake will get the point for round one. I'm going to give his why as soon as he's, he's tightening it up. He said... He didn't like the idea of Dwayne Johnson as Pikachu, uh, but he thought both ideas were great. He just liked a little bit more coming from Jake. All right, cool, 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 cool. Well, Jake gets round one's point. Let's get into round two. Schubert, tell the gentleman how round two works and tell the audience how round two works. Well, round two is a little bit more fast-paced because we all got to go to sleep at some point tonight. Um, (laughs) The... uh, 
we'll we'll still do a minute and a half, but that'll be your first your first pitch, and then we're gonna ask some questions, and then you'll have thirty seconds to try and squeeze in everything you can. Cool, cool. All right, Jake. Since you won uh, round one, give me a number one through five. I'll pick four. Four. Okay. Cool. One, two, three, four. Okay. One, two, three, four. All right. Cool. This question is as such. Oh no! The NBA, MLB, NFL, MLS, and NHL are all on strike. The United States needs a new sport to get behind. Pitch which professional sport will take over in the uh, the mainstay due to the absence of the main professional sports in America. Jake, would you like to go first or second? I will go second. All right, cool, cool. All right, Schmidt, if you're ready, I'll repeat the question one more time. Oh, no, the M- NBA, MLB, NFL, MLS, and NHL are all on strike. The United States needs a new sport to get behind. Pitch which professional sport will take over in the absence of the mainstays. Schubert, put a minute and 30 on the clock. Uh, and Schmidt, you can begin your pitch in five, four, three, two, one. With the absence of the major sports, America's going to turn to none other than Ultimate Frisbee. Now, Ultimate Frisbee has already tried to professionalize itself. They have semi-pro leagues across the country, but it's ready to take the next step for the big stage. Ultimate Frisbee is a seven-on-seven game played on a full football field. It's extremely fast-paced. It generates a ton of highlight plays, and it carries the best aspects of basketball, soccer, and football in terms of scoring, passing, and running. The excitement's there. The marketing is ready to happen, and America's just ready to latch on a fast-paced game that really showcases the dominance of its athletes. Ooh, all right, all right. Ultimate Frisbee. All right, Jake, Schubert put a minute 30 on the clock for Jake. And, Jake, you can begin your pitch in five, four, three, two, one. It's dodgeball. I think that's the simple answer here. You have a number of athletes that are out on strike that can get into this. It'd be intriguing to really watch them. Some of those quarterbacks trying to fling the ball across the court field however we're doing this gym wherever we're kind of playing this game i think would be a lot of fun it's also a game that everyone basically grew up playing meaning they all think that they can become a pro dodgeball player there's a fairly decent semi-pro league you see it on espn2 on occasion again fast paced everyone knows the rules you think you can do it it's something that little kids are going to start playing even more that they don't already i think dodgeball it's pretty fun you get to hit people Ooh, all right, two. Yo, th- these guys are coming correct, Schubert, this episode, man. And this is the round two. This is where you got to think on your toes. Any questions for either gentleman, Schubert? Um, with Jake, I guess my question would be, uh, how can we make dodgeball, you know, fill, fill in for these empty arenas? And then the same question for Schmidt, pretty much. Like, how are we going to? you know, fulfill these empty spaces with this sport? Is it going to generate the kind of audience like that? Uh, And my question for uh, Schmidt would be just, I know how you kind of score an ultimate Frisbee. Just explain that a little bit to me. I I know you you said how it's a mixture of football, uh, basketball, and soccer. I love the highlight play and all that stuff because you see it on Bleacher Report. Just give me a, a sense of how they score and a little bit of, how is coaching involved and is coaching involved in yours as well, Jake? Also, um, 
Schmidt, Jake kind of talked about how he would market it with the, uh, the stars that are on strike, being that quarterbacks could come in and throw. Who? How would you kind of market your sport? And also for both of you guys, if in these rebuttals, if you see anything, any holes in the other's pitches, be sure to kind of mention that so we can get the other side as, as well as we got your arguments, but kind of as well as debating against their arguments. So uh, Jake, uh, who, who goes first? It's Jake, correct? Oh, no, it's Schmidt. Schmidt, because he went first. Um, Schmidt, you have 30 seconds on the clock. Schubert, put that on the clock, and you can begin in three, two, one. I'll answer both the marketing questions and the scoring questions in one. You score by scoring a touchdown, a great American way of throwing a pass into the end zone, which is a football-sized end zone. Marketing, you bring the best athletes. Imagine Zion Williamson. You throw a Frisbee 60 yards deep for him, and he jumps 15 feet in the air to go grab it, or however high he jumps. That's going to bring crowds to the stadium and make people go wild. That's my answer. It's going to be a blast with the best athletes in the world. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, Jake, you get 30 seconds on the clock. Uh, Schubert put 30 seconds on the clock. And, Jake, you can begin your pitch in three, two, one. See, I think this is pretty easy. You can pack the Smoothie King Center or any basketball arena and basically keep some of the dimensions the same and have these guys just kind of go out. If everyone gets to sit in the lower bowl, everyone's got a really good seat. Make tickets cheap, keep concessions cheap. People are going to turn out to see Drew Brees leading the New Orleans Saints dodgeball team out there trying to throw people out on the opposite team. Of course, coaching's involved, lineups, rotations, things like that are pretty important. You've got to know what guys work well together, who doesn't. You know, maybe if you have a couple of receivers who are better at catching the ball, you throw them out there because you've got a few guys out and you need some defense all of a sudden to get your guys back on the court. So I think there's coaching involved, there's strategy, there's star players. It'd be a hit. Oh, all right, all right. She would stop the clock. Man, I loved both of their rebuttals. I love that Hashemit answered my question in the marketing department and how they score. I'd love to see Zion going up trying to catch these passes. As well as with Jake's, I, he answered your stadium question. We also see that how he utilized the coaching answer as well and how these lineups are important. This is a tough one, Schubert. Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, I have like my own little thought process on it. And it's one of those things where you just don't know whether or not you you pick based on what you feel or uh, or missing things that you wish you would have heard. So like, there's definitely some things I wish I would have heard that would have put me one way or the other. Um, so for me, I have to to lean towards Jake because I feel like he just kind of laid everything out for dodgeball. And the one thing I was missing from Schmidt would be like, you know, maybe that the one issue that caused the strike was the injury prevention things. What makes Ultimate Frisbee a little bit more interesting is that there is no aspect of hitting would it, it would it interest people who don't want to have a contact sport be the main sport but i have see, to go with jake see that's interesting man all right this one's tough because they both kind of laid it out what they they both really laid kind of their plans out and i really love schmidt's pitch but it's just how jake laid his out i kind of liked more and Kind of just he it's like you said, he kind of just told us everything that was gonna be involved. Not that Schmidt didn't, it's just that in this one, I just felt like Jake had maybe had a tiny bit better pitch in this pitch, whereas they were both good pitches. I just like the way Jake pitched his a little more, if that makes sense. Round two, 
goes to Jake is 2-0. But don't worry, Schmidt, you still have time to catch up. All right, so, Jake, give us a number one through five. Uh, let's go with two this time. Two. All right. Let's go on to the top. One, two. All right. So you'll get this. Joker was a success. Pitch a Marvel villain to get his own solo movie. Jake, would you want to go first or second? Let me go second. All right. Schubert, put a minute and 30 on the clock. Schmidt, the question for you is, Joker was a success. Pitch a Marvel villain to get his own solo movie. And you guys remember, if you see holes in each other's pitches, go at those holes because it's about the arguments. Schubert, put a, put a minute and 30 on the clock. Schmidt, you can begin your pitch in five, four, three, two, one. I feel like you guys are just catering towards Jake with these uh, questions that are right up his alley. <laughs> but I would pick Doc Ock to be a solo movie villain. I am a big fan of the Spider-Man universe, and I think Doc Ock is one of those deeply complicated characters that could draw a lot of attention. Now, I'd want this movie to be a rated R movie. I don't want anything hold back. I want the whole exploration of Doc Ock's past and what led him to be a villain, as well as what led him to really go at Spider-Man and the conflict that is uh, drawn from those two going at each other. Now, you get to see his perspective and realize that, he, yes, he is a human as well, and you get to see his motivation. So I think exploring the universe, the Spider-Man universe from Doc Ock's perspective could really draw a lot of eyes. Okay. All right. Cool, cool, cool. All right, Schubert, put a minute and 30 seconds on the clock. Jake, you can begin your pitch in three, two, one. Now, I will say Marvel's maybe not my expertise without going into too many things here. But um, for this one, I think the natural answer is Dr. Doom. You know, he's primarily a Fantastic Four villain. They clearly have not been able to get that right with two unsuccessful attempts so far. So maybe you need to make it more villain-centric rather than hero-centric. But he's also one of their top villains in the Marvel Universe. Top two, three, four, maybe, in terms of badassness and just most powerful. He runs his own country. You can have kind of his day-to-day -day with that, too. So a little bit of that, like, political stuff with it. You clearly need to have a team-up to get him taken down. He's a very cool character, very powerful as well. And it's your way to reintroduce the Fantastic Four, maybe by putting them kind of in the background of everything, not in the forefront. I think Victor Von Doom, I like his stuff. It brings in a lot of the cosmics type of things that they want to kind of integrate in Marvel a little bit more as well. He's who I'm picking. All right. All right, Schubert, if you have any questions for either gentleman, ask them now. Uh, we've really only seen Doctor Doom as a element of the Fantastic Four, but we know that he has a bigger, bit more to do in the Marvel Universe than just the Fantastic Four. Is that going to be touched on with that? And uh, with Schmidt's pitch, I want to know if we're going to be, if like what Jake's saying, is Spider-Man really going to be at the forefront? Not saying that as a negative or positive, I just want to know. Yeah, I'm kind of with both of those. Uh, are we going to see Fantastic Four and yours, Jake and Schmidt, are we going to see Spider-Man, or is this going to be more from, like, are they going to be dealing with their villains, or is this going to be more of a character piece? Just kind of get into that kind of element of, does the hero play a role, and if so, how big of a role does he play in this movie? Schubert, put 30 seconds on the clock for Schmidt. Schmidt, you can begin your pitch in three, two, one. I want this movie to really be about Doc Ock, so Spider-Man won't play a big role in this. You'll see references to Spidey. You'll, you may have a flashback scene where there's a fight that happened, 
but it's really going to be about Doc Ock. And I really like the whole neighborhood feel of New York. This is happening in a very small space. Not there's not it's not this whole world that's at stake. So it's going to be relatable to people where there's real stakes and it humanizes the villain a little more. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, Schubert, stop the clock. All right, Jake, you got 30 seconds on the clock for you. Begin your pitch in three, two, one. So I see Dr. Doom as a bit of an Ozymandias type of character from the Watchmen comic, a guy who is evil but is doing this for what he thinks is the greater good, and people are trying to stop him because of that. He's aware of Galactus and what's going on, and he's pulling the strings politically, evilly on Earth to try and kind of prevent that from happening. Sometimes you've got to break a few eggs to make an omelet kind of idea. So the Fantastic Four is in there, but they're not at the forefront. Think more of the tie-ins that they did in the Joker movie to the Wayne family and the larger universe. Same thing with the other Avengers, things like that. You can put in Tony Stark being a rival kind of as a businessman before the incident, but he's all doing this to try and prevent Galactus from coming that no one believes him on or no one understands. He's the only one. So he's a bit of an anti-hero in that way, almost a tragic figure, but ultimately he's doing some bad things. So he still is a villain, but the viewer isn't sure whether they should root for him Tom. or not. All right, Tom, Tom. Good pitches from both guys. Schubert, I'll start off with this one first. I'm kind of one, one, the pitches are like this. One's a short scale movie in the sense, one, not short scale, but one's a, a personalized movie in a sense. And the other is a more large world scale movie. And it just depends on how you want to fall on that. One's kind of a look at Doc Ock being a character and how he got into this position and just. What is he going through on the day-to-day inside of his New York neighborhood, whereas the other is kind of this epic sense of seeing Dr. Doom as this anti-hero trying to prevent a Galactus incoming while still dealing with others. For me with this one, I kind of lean more towards Schmidt because I kind of like that centralized story, and I kind of want to understand how Doc Ock, this human, became this twisted scientist that wanted these ev- wanted to conduct these evil deeds. I don't know how you feel about it. No, I kind of... I I, kind of lean towards Doc Ock here mainly because I see it very much as a parallel to like a Mr. Freeze kind of deal where there is some real life first world problems that he has going on that relate to his villain story. And I feel like that's really something like what Schmidt said would really relate to the people because I feel like what really worked in the past two villain things is, you know, being very grounded. And so if we get to too crazy especially with a property that not too many people know that well in the marvel universe because it hasn't been utilized well enough where at least in spider-man they have spider-man 2 which a lot of people remember whether or not it was good it's not for me to say but uh it was um it's it's more of a recognizable character that would probably get people to the theater more so than dr doom even though dr doom's still a big character it's just that's how i feel no, I kind of, I kind of feel you in a sense. Doctor Doom is very popular, but the thing for me is it's more scaled in, and it's more with Doc Ock. At least it's more, like you said, grounded, and that's kind of what made these villain movies work. Whereas we see a Venom movie wasn't it was it was grounded in a sense, but it, it kind of went a bunch of different places, and it didn't necessarily work. I mean, that doesn't say that Doctor Doom does wouldn't work. It's just. I like the uh, Doc Ock pitch more. So I'm going with Schmidt. Schubert, who are you going with? Schmidt. 
All right, cool. The score is two to one. Jake needs one more point to win. Schmidt now has control of the board. Schmidt, give me a, a, a number, uh, one through five. One. Number ooh, going with the first one. Alrighty, alrighty. Back into the world of sports we go. Okay. The NBA wants to become the WBA and include franchises in other countries around the world. Pitch an international city, an international city that should have a franchise in this expansion. Schmidt, do you want to go first or second? I'll go first here. All right, cool, cool. Schubert, put a minute and 30 on the clock. I'm excited for this one because both of these guys are big basketball heads. This is, a good, this is a good question to go for. So, all right, again, one more time. The NBA wants to become the WNBA and include franchises in other countries around the world. Pitch an international city that should have a franchise in the expansion, WBA, World Basketball Association. Okay, Schmidt, you have one minute and 30 seconds. Schubert, start the clock in three, two, one. I'm picking Madrid. I think Madrid is a destination city, both from a tourism standpoint as well as a sports standpoint. They have a storied history of being really successful in the soccer world. But not only that, they have a really successful basketball club in, in Real Madrid. You've had top-tier NBA players play from there. The Spanish national team is really good as well. I think it'd be a great way to bring some of the best talent that's not in the U.S., to compete against NBA-level players, as well as ex-NBA players who have been a part of the deal. Okay. All right. All right. Stop the clock, Schubert. Jake, we're putting a minute and 30 on for you. You can begin your pitch in three, two, one. I think we both had the same idea here. I immediately went to Barcelona with that, but we don't need to go pitch Barcelona to Madrid. Basically, they kind of overlap with that. But I'm going to go with London. I think it's pretty clear this is a place that a lot of people travel to. It's an Americanized-ish city. They speak English there. I think that helps a little bit, too. It makes the transition for some of these players a little bit easier. We've seen a lot of these guys go overseas, struggle a little bit. There's direct flights from there to New York. It should be no problem. We already bring football over there. Let's start bringing our other sports over there, too. Let's put a team in London. I think, again, it's a gateway to a lot of those other places, too. You can put a lot of international players there. They'll still feel right at home. I think that's really important. And, you know, I think expanding overseas, great idea. All right. All right. Schubert. Any questions for either gentleman? Um, okay, so I guess my question for Jake would be: At first, you did feel like Barcelona was the better location. Do you, you know, what makes it? What makes Spain not the right location? Mm, and that is, um, that's a good one. I guess the same with Schmidt. You know, where what makes Spain the ideal? country to to make this expansion is there going to be difficulties with americans get, getting on board with a spanish team uh and my question for both of you is this one's kind of in the speculation zone like all of this is if you put your creative hats on give me a mascot for your team in london jay you can give me a mascot for your team in spain schmidt and basically schubert's questions are kind of my same thoughts so uh, yeah, word. Uh, Schmidt, you can begin your pitch. You have 30 seconds. Should we put that on the clock? You can begin in three, two, one. So I would pick the Madrid Matadors uh, just to go with their history of the Bulls and, and everything that's cultural there. Uh, it'd be a very fitting mascot, I believe. Now, I think Spain is the perfect location. One, it's a very global city. Two, they have some of the most passionate fan basketball fans in the world. I think a lot of the NBA is about growing their product. So, so being able to fill the arena the way the Spanish fans do is going to be a huge selling point from any ownership perspective. 
All right. Schubert, stop the clock. All right. Put 30 seconds on the clock for Jake. Jake, you can begin your pitch in three, two, one. So I think it's about comfort for these NBA players. I've spoken to a number of guys who are fringe NBA players played overseas, whether it's Japan and other places. They feel out of place. It doesn't feel right for them. It's a difficulty not knowing the local language. In London, you don't have that problem. It makes it an easier transition for them. And we want the success of these NBA players. They're going to be the London Lions. Their colors are going to be red, white, and gold, um, pretty similar to the, the England flag. And the lion being the gold lion that they have on there kind of ties into right, everything. Time. Ooh, time. Dang, these were both, like, this has been a yeah. really good match so far. Both had good mascots. I understood the Matador's great match. Like I said, ooh, when he said it, but I love the Lion mascot, and they both answered your question. This one's tough, Schubert. I'm not going to even lie to you. The one thing that keeps that it keeps coming to me in the back of my head is when Jake started his pitch and said, oh, I would have gone with Barcelona, but I didn't mm. want to do two Spanish cities. So it makes me think, like, you know, maybe Spain is the ideal landing place for um, a European basketball team. So I think I'd probably have to lean to Schmidt. See, my thing is, I, and, and Jake kind of came with a that – did, that did down him in points, 100%. But I, I want to say this. He might have come up and redeemed himself by saying these players feel out of place overseas and London's the closest thing to America because if you've been to London – that's how it is, man. It's really similar to American the way of life. But, I mean, of course, it's their own thing, but it's, it's still the closest thing to us. And that kind of gave him some points in my book. This one's tough for me, man. Jeez. Um, damn. But you're right. Yeah. That, that that mainstay did did affect. I'm going to go with Schmidt, man. I'm going with Schmidt, even though okay. Jake came close to pulling it back up. 2-2, tiebreaker. Final question. Schmidt, you're in control of the game board. Uh, give me a number one through five. So we can repeat numbers. Uh, yeah, yeah, if, yeah, because we have different questions in those categories. Oh, okay. Uh, we haven't done five yet. All right, five. Cool. We're in the world of television. Let's see. Crap. Oh, it's okay. This one, this one's actually a fun question. Overlord took the zombie genre to a different era in time. Pitch a zombie movie that takes place in a time period, in a, a year pre-21st century. So give us a zombie movie in a year that's before the 21st century and tell us kind of how it works in that, in whatever era you choose that's pre-21st century. Schmidt, do you want to go first or second? I'll go second here. All right. Schubert, this is the final minute and 30. Put it on the clock. Jake, you can begin your pitch in five, four, three. Two, one. So we are going to travel back in time to, I don't know, some I, I don't know the exact age uh, time frame, but the 1300s Ming Dynasty over in China. We're basically going to do zombies, the Great Wall, ninjas, samurai, all of that gets thrown out there. Uh, I think that's kind of the general thing is how are they surviving using the skills they've learned, different things like that. I think that's the, if you're picking a pre-1900 time frame, that's the way to do it. All right. right, all right. Schmidt, we got minute 30 for you on the clock. You can begin your pitch in three, two, one. I will take it back to feudal Japan. Now, I know Jake mentioned samurais, but that's more of a Japanese thing, not a, not a Chinese thing. And I want to include the samurais in this world. I think there's a lot of anime that already kind of deals with this sort of structure to sort of make it into a full-blown live-action show where you have these trained 
warriors um, in feudal Japan uh, working for their shoguns to protect their, their lords, but also living in the Japanese city. I would set it in Kyoto uh, because it's very historic. And to sort of combat these zombie threats, I don't think that's an idea that's been explored before in mainstay television. Ooh. All right, Schubert, any question that you have for either of these gentlemen? Um, well, you know, Jake Schmidt hit you with the... Yeah, hit you with the haymaker. ...aren't in, aren't in uh, China, so that's pretty much what I have to say. You know, what what would a zombie movie with the Great Wall and all that kind of be like? Is it going to be more of a uh, hide-behind-the-wall kind of thing, or is it going to be really out, out in front with it? And I guess with Schmidt... My question would be, oh, I mean, I think he kind of laid it out. What do you have for him, Lennon? For Schmidt, I, I mean, look, man, he, he definitely laid everything out. Um, I guess just give me a little more deep. Well, no, because I, I, I don't really have a question for Schmidt. Just, just kind of uh, execute your pitch and give us a little bit more and just, just tell us about your pitch and why it, Actually, tell us why your pitch is the better pitch, and then for Jake, you just have to answer to his to his haymaker that he gave. So, um, Jake, you can begin your pitch in three, two, one. Yeah, you know this isn't my expertise in terms of the time frame and the historical accuracy, but I think they're zombies. It doesn't necessarily need to be the most historically accurate, and you're doing a bit of historical fiction with this. The Great Wall of China, I think, part of it is kind of in the, the main shot of everything. I think it's really out in front why they're building it. Again, you get into some of the political machinations of it, which is clearly very popular on TV right now, with that looming threat of the zombies to builds up at the end of the first season, an all-out assault on the wall. You get that big battle scene that every one of these shows really needs. I think that's the key to all of this. All right. All right, time. All right, Schmidt, you have 30 seconds on the clock. You can begin your pitch in three, two, one. I think historical accuracy is important because it helps you get lost in this world. Now, in this Japanese world, it's heavily politicized where you have the samurai who are a militarized warrior class protecting the lords. Now, to incorporate the politics of that against an existential threat of the zombies, I think that's an idea worth exploring to see, like, okay, are the samurais going to fight for themselves? Are they going to continue protecting these lords? Or are they going to perhaps stage a coup? We don't know that. Are they going to become their own class? time damn first off let me say thank you to both you guys for coming on and and playing in our game show this was this was a damn good match first off this was a great match schubert what are your thoughts on this final pitch um i'm almost worried that the the schmidt's pitch is too busy I don't know if, if you understand what I mean by that, but like he's talking about like the political political aspect of what all this would mean for all of that. And, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, when you want a zombie movie, you just want people getting their heads cut cut off. And I think you know, with what Jake said, uh, having the Great Wall of China be like kind of like that main shot. I'm kind of thinking of you know almost like a World War Z kind of deal with the zombies stuff like that. You know, I mean, I think that you could do a lot with that big of a landmark. Um, and I'm just, I, I don't know if like we're getting too, I don't know. I'm, See, I'm... I, I disagree with you and let me tell okay. you why I disagree with you. Cause I, I get what Shimon's saying. It's zombies are hidden Japan in Kyoto. It's the shogunate era. The samurai are 
in this era, they're, they're tied to their masters. They're supposed to fight for the Shogun, fight for their feudal lords. Now that zombies have broken out, what do they do? They do, do they defend the feudal lords? We could see things like a zombie breaking into someone's, like some Shogunate lord's territory, and the, and the samurai don't do anything. They they flee. They, they let their lord die. There's a lot of... I, I get what he's saying in terms of that. And look, man, we say the show's about the arguments, and Jake did combat it as best he could, but... I have to agree with Schmidt some of these things about how the historical accuracy would allow people to fall into this. I loved him saying that. I'm riding with Schmidt on this one, bro. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, but don't I'd let me change your answer. Go... You can go, with Jake, if that's what you. I mean, if that's what you. If that's who you're rocking with, you know. Uh, I mean, it, it is all all about the argument. Is again another issue of getting hit with something real quick that just kind of like throws you for a loop. Yeah. yeah, Throws you for a loop. And, um, I, I, I think it's, I think it's only fair since this game went to the wire that we let the mystery third judge play this out. Cause I still feel like I, I want to go with Jake here. All right. So you're going with Jake. We're going down to the third judge. Let me see. He was typing while you were going. Let me see who he, who he has. So give us a quick second. Um, while he's deciding, what you guys think of the game? Did you guys enjoy playing? I, I just want to say again, thank you both of you for coming on and playing this game. You guys were really great at it, and like y'all did, y'all did a damn good job. Yeah, I felt really unprepared for for pitching TV shows and movies. Um, so I was like, the only way I'm going to be able to compete against Jake is to make it absolutely ridiculous with the whole Danny DeVito thing. And uh, especially if he had time to prepare, I was like, all right, I just got to I got to be absurd about this. But I thought the, the questions were, were a lot of fun. That's what's Look, up, they're, they're good questions. This is fun. Schmidt is a consummate competitor here making me sweat. I don't even know how this is going to how this is all going to shake out. So props to him. This was a lot of fun. Thank you guys for having us on. Oh, thank you. All right. We got the mystery third judge's answer. And he gave a response. Why? He says he has Schmidt. I think politics come into play of many aspects of entertainment, whether it be politics on the top of it or the underlying political issues here. Like the idea. He likes the idea of it in here. He said, damn, Jake, you came back well, though. Great game for both. Uh, still can't see uh the rock yelling. I, oh, he's he's just saying he's saying flock up. He's, saying, he's doing all kind of crazy stuff. He's saying flock up and go tigers. Shout out to the mystery third judge. So Schmidt wins this match. Schmidt's one and zero. Oh, Jake's zero oh and one. But these are both good competitors for the league. Schubert. These guys killed it. And everybody else in the league needs to be watching out because these dudes are really good at this game. Uh, Schmidt, since you won first. Uh, y'all both will get to say this, but since you won, you get to go first. Tell the people where they can find you at on social media and tell them where they can see all of your content. Hey, you can find me at Fear the Brown on Twitter, and you can find all my content at bourbonstreetshots.com and listen to my podcast with Mason Ginsburg uh, at In the Know. You can find that on iTunes and Spotify and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check all that out. Jake, tell the people where they can find you at on social media and where they can find some of your content. Sure, of course. At Nola Jake on Twitter, best way to follow me. And then Locked on Pelicans, Monday to Friday, daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the Pels. Basically in real time, I'm about to go record Monday's episode right now for you all. So thank you all for having me on and get it wherever you get your podcast from. 100%. Right, Back to you, Schubert, to finish out um, this episode of Bros Who Binge. All right, man. Lyndon, what a freaking match. Yeah, that was a great match.
That was yeah. a great, great match. Gotta thank Jake and uh, Schmidt for coming on the pod. Look, Schmidt caught a dub, but that was a comeback match of comeback matches. Jake did a great job. It was it was down to the wire, man. But what's, I think I think what gave uh, Schmidt the edge was the fact that, and we told him this in certain episodes, and we've been telling everybody this who plays, you gotta tear down, as much as you don't want to be rude, of course, but, like, that's part of the game. You gotta tear down the other person's pitch. Yeah, I mean, at least make valid points against. Like, if we, if, if you don't say anything against it, then we have nothing but positives. So yeah. it's like, okay, oh, this, this, and this, oh, cool, 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 but if you don't say oh, but I don't think that this would happen. You'd be like, oh, well, maybe you're right. Maybe that couldn't happen. Or, like, maybe that wouldn't work. So, you know, you got to help yourself in that sense. But I, I find that the most interesting thing about doing Pitch It right now is, you know, I'm generating a lot of the questions, and they just take them in ways that I wouldn't have expected and for a, lot of, a lot of ways for the good. Yeah, so, no, it's been a lot of good answers, a lot of good I, responses. I don't know about I, you, but when I was thinking about TV series – Video games, I was thinking like N64 era shit. Mm. I'm thinking like let's let's get something that we've never thought that we would see on on TV. See, I don't want to say my my idea for video games movies in case that question ever comes up again because I got the perfect one that I think will work. Sure, but I'm just but, saying think think N64 era and then you might know where I was going with. And your show is actually we didn't put it in the notes, but Daniel RPK said that that show's coming. Rumored. Oh, I don't know if we're talking about the same thing. You talking about Zelda? We'll talk huh? about it off air. No. Oh, real well. I just dropped some some news that's like bubbling, but you know, if you if, if you stayed around, shout out to you guys for uh, getting that bubbling news about a Zelda series coming. <laughs> but yeah, no. Maybe. Uh, thank you, uh, Jake. I think the, I think The Witcher would actually be a big help to that. Like The Witcher works, then maybe yeah. that would work. Well, we're going to see. But thank you again, Jake and Schmidt, for doing this. Jake is now 0-1. And, well, look, I can tell you pretty much who the next couple of matches. So Schubert will be playing Justin, uh, a.k.a. Subculture Vulture. And the winner of that will play Jake Madison. But we have some things to come before that match because it's the Schubert and Justin match first. And then we're going to the winner's side with Charles versus, I'm not going to say who Charles is playing yet, but... Charles has a big match coming, and then we'll get more going. But the league has started, man, and I'm excited. We're about to get into the, the tournament for the first season and then uh, give out the, the prizes and belts and whatnot. Who are the champions? Sure. It's a good little start to what could be more if it, yeah. if it gets rolling. I think every time we do it, you know, this was a good opponent matchup, but I think even for us as just putting it through the motions, it progressively gets more fluid. So I think yeah. it's, you know, getting better. It's getting better slowly but surely. And thank you guys to everyone who listens. Thank you to all the competitors. Thank you to the mystery third judge for coming on, doing it with us each time. We really appreciate everyone who's a part of this pitch it league. So thank you. Well, let's wrap things up here for this episode of the Bros Who Binge podcast. Let's what's going on with the Bros Who Think Network. All right, we got a new episode of Anime Talk. By the time you guys hear this, Primetime did their recap of the LSU-Alabama game, and they have some episodes coming out talking about where LSU goes from here later in the week with their Ole Miss preview. We got the latest episode of the BWT podcast coming on Thursday. And we got, as well as, like we said at the beginning of this, we're doing episode one review of The Mandalorian. By the time you guys hear this, 
You should have that episode later that night, if not early Wednesday morning. But you will have a Mandalorian review as well. So, But other than that, that's all we got on the network. You can follow me at LynnBWT on Twitter. Follow the birds you think on Twitter. Be sure to subscribe uh, on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud. Or you can listen on our website at www.broswhothink.com. All right. Well, you can follow me and Twitter and Instagram at ashubert 14 Be sure to listen to everything going on with the network. Uh, be sure to listen to the other Bros Who Binge that's coming in this week with the Mandalorian review. Super excited about that. Super excited about Disney+. Plus. So we're, getting, we're definitely ready to talk about that in the future episodes. So thanks for listening to the 64th episode of the Bros Who Binge podcast. I hope you guys have a good week. We'll be talking to you again real soon, but until then, keep binging. <laughs>